0: Hi, this is Steve. Since the beginning of The Cinephiles, there is one guest who has probably been requested more than any other, and that is John's partner on the top 10 show, the brilliant and always hilarious Matt Nost. Now, often with our guests, there's a fair amount of discussion as we try to figure out what kind of film they'd like to talk about. But most of our guests haven't spent the last couple of years ranking their film preferences over and over again. And once I heard that Matt loved the 1988 Robert De Niro Charles Grodin comedy Midnight Run, it was a no brainer. This is one of my favorite buddy comedies, and both De Niro and Grodin are absolutely brilliant. And they are helped out by a great supporting cast, including Yafet Koto, John Ashton. And of course, Joe Pantaleone. So, if you haven't seen Midnight Run, maybe you need to take a journey of your own to our website, cinephiles.net, where you can buy the fantastic Blu ray special edition or stream the movie through Amazon. After that, tune into the Cinephiles on Friday, where we'll be joined by our very, very special guest, Matt Nost, to discuss Midnight Run. Trust me, this is going to be a fun one.
1: Yes! Yes, I lied to you first, but you had no knowledge I was lying about my fear of flying at the river when you lied to me. So as far as you knew, you lied to me first.
2: can't even argue with you. I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about.
0: Welcome once again to the Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. We explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California.
3: Hello, everyone. My name is John Roca. I'm a voiceover artist, um, writer, producer, host of Things Over Collider and numerous other podcasts. Uh, and I say that because
0: we have a very special guest this Possibly our most anticipated guest of all time has been requested since the beginning of the show. Numerous times. Yes we are very very happy to welcome from the top 10 show stand-up comedian and team top 10 on the Schmodown. Yes Matt Nost. Welcome to the Cinephiles.
4: Guys that's the best build-up I think I've had on a podcast in a very long time. It's in the top Two discussion, you know that was that was beautiful. <laughs> do, you wanna, out. do you want
0: to do you want to rank your introductions like top? <laughs> the top ten introductions you've it's ever. It's one had? of those things
4: you only remember the best and the worst, and everything else in the middle is just kind of <laughs> it fades to black eventually yep. over time. That's a fair point. It fades into itself.
0: Well, we are thrilled to have you on the show, and and I have to tell you, so I have to thank you because. My feeling is that without the top 10 show, there would be no cinephiles. Okay. It, it would not exist because Probably part fair. of it, I mean, I started, I first, I mean, I've been listening to podcasts for a long time. I'm a big podcast junkie. Sure. And so when Roka first did like the Star Wars podcast and some of those other ones, I started to listen to them. But the one that I subscribed to was the top 10 show. Like that's the one where I went, wow, this is really, really great. And I think- for two Thank reasons, you? for two for yes. two reasons, it led to cinef- the cinephiles. Which is the first is is that it really made me go,
4: "Oh, I, I could do this." Yeah. Like this seems if like these, <laughs> these two assholes, these two pricks can do it, and I know one of them. I don't think that was exactly the thought yeah. process. <laughs> it wasn't quite the Sisyphus you it would, thought it was. It
0: was it was just like this is like a real thing. And then the second reason was because listening to the show, you list each of you list ten movies. So maybe there are 15 or 20 movies you talk about in the course of a show, and you devote minimal time to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, how could you not talk about this? Why are you not bringing up this? Why are you doing my frustration and all the interesting things about those films? True. That's the cinephiles. Yeah. We're going to do well. one movie. <laughs> We're going to take a ridiculously long time going into incredible detail about it. And that's it. <laughs> and the, the pattern was the same,
3: though, for Top Ten and then for Cinephiles, because when we started out, Matt and I, and we got this comment today on Twitter uh, when we're recording, as we're recording today, because th- we've been re-releasing the older episodes. Oh, right. yeah. Someone commented, it was fu- it was funny to hear you and Matt uh, worry about going over an hour. Yeah, have a discussion <laughs>
4: as to what the length of the show should be. Right. Doing it on the show. That's how little editing we do. <laughs> We were having a production yeah. meeting on air. Why not? On air. Why yeah. not, you know?
3: And it was because at the beginning, Christian was like, you guys got to do one hour. You guys, you can't go more than one hour. So we were figuring it out. We were like rebelling against the idea. And then eventually, once we settled into it, we just were like, well, we're going to do the show as long as we want to do the show. We
5: did that from the outset.
4: Well, we did
3: kind of try to stay within the hour initially. Yeah, 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 we yeah. were put certainly that
0: talking about it at the
3: beginning. Well, uh, yeah.
4: well there was another discussion that, so like, we came in from day one, and we, the show was presented as X and, and Yep. I remember turning to John and going, that sounds like a terrible show. Why don't we do this? (laughs) he was like, I was having literally the exact same thought. Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh, we made that change and it made it a show. But what I think we should focus on then since we gave birth to you. Yes. I think I should get what five percent of his take <laughs> of whatever. <laughs> That's entirely
0: discussed between you and John. Wait a, a second. second! I'm just saying,
4: you keep yours. You do you. What's uh, something over there? All right, I can't, I can't but, but, get
0: into your negotiations.
3: <laughs> but uh, but this show did the same thing. This, this show initially started out; it was like an hour, an hour yeah. and then as <laughs> it progressed, of Arabia yeah. got
4: on the docket. Yeah. <laughs> as it progressed, we
3: realized Steve and I both realized, and Steve more so than me actually, that he wanted to go methodically through the film. So what he's talking about? about is it spread as it became more comfortable and i think that's happened with us too true
0: we it spread out as we became more comfortable and and the fans responded that's what i was to the longer episodes better Mm -hmm. is that they said over and over again more more is better yeah you know and we've certainly we certainly got at some point i'm sure they're going to say stop oh I yeah. don't know when People are super Dude, pissed
4: When we a separate A guy hit us up on Twitter And was like I could listen to you guys Talk about uh, your favorite 10 paint wa- Wall paint Like yep. colors are yeah. And literally my first thought Was I hope it never comes to that But <laughs> well, we I, just run out of everything And it's 20 years later And we're like oh, We gotta do it paint, 20 years Paint two, Paint on walls What's my favorite paint In a movie <laughs> two, two,
0: two things occur to me on that The well, first is Is that yes You are very charming And interesting to listen to <laughs> And the second good. is That guy's gotta get a life It's <laughs> you know, a hell a of a compliment point. I'll take it (laughs) Um, Uh, so, but it was one other funny thing is that normally when we have a guest on the show, we, we ask them, you know, what five movies would you like to do? And John and I would like to talk, but we have had the, you certainly have the advantage and I've had the advantage of listening to you talk about your Mm. favorite films Mm -hmm. for a few years. And I kept hearing the movie we're talking about today over and over again, which is Midnight Run. Yeah. 1988, Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin, directed by Martin Brest. This is a great movie, and it's one that I love, so it was kind of a done deal for me to do it.
4: Yeah, John asked and said, hey, what do you think of Midnight Run? I was like, sure. And he's like, well, I mean, we could do Fletch if you wanted to. Yeah. And I was like, Midnight Run is fine. I, I, I love Midnight. There's a million movies that I love. Yeah, it's the reason that we're all sitting in you know we're this tiny little room yeah. having a discussion. About it. Tiny, and I I didn't mean that offensively. No, it's like, very uh,
0: hurtful. Very hurtful. <laughs>
4: it's a gorgeous house. We I've already gushed <laughs> over the amazingness of this house. No, thank you. It's a beautiful house. Oh, do, it's spectacular. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember how you first saw Midnight Run? No clue. I you brought it up. I do not remember the first time that I saw it. I want to say I was probably in my late teens, early twenties.
0: You think it was in the theater? Or do you think it was? No, no, no. It was so well rented. Out of
4: theater. Yeah, I'm I'm 39. Yeah. This came out, what, 88? 88. yeah. Something like that? Yeah, I didn't see this in the theater. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know who like Charles Grodin was until years later, kind of thing, mm. because he was Albert Brooksian on some level. Yes. He'd done a, a bunch of amazing stuff, and then Grodin disappeared for a while, it seemed like, mm-hmm. by his own choice, and then came back and did the Beethovens and whatnot. Right. And that's what I knew him as, but I'd see him on like Letterman, and Letterman loved him. Yeah. And you're like, there's got to be a reason, because Letterman is kind of cold, <laughs> to yeah, the fast majority of come
3: Grodin. here. They, had, loved
4: they Grodin. sunk up. Yeah, Regis, a few other guys They yeah. were just his guys, Norm McDonald, just loved having all you could tell the genuineness and then you go back and see it and you're like, dude, this guy had talent, this movie, the the scene we'll get to later on is one of my favorite in cinema where they're playing the FBI agents in the bar. So mm. good. It so still good. that made me laugh rewatching it for the I don't know how manyth time. John, you remember how you first saw it? Um, I think like Matt, I probably saw
3: it on VHS. I remember cuz I didn't like I hated Groden. His oh, type really? of humor irritated a living piss out of me. And so I wasn't in a rush to see this film and I loved it. This is like prime De Niro time. Yeah. Like when yeah. you love De Niro and I remember loving the trailer because that that line that De Niro has when he jumps around the other side of the train, "Glad to see me?" Yeah. <laughs> that that always stuck with me and I used it for years when I was fucking with people. Uh, and so, um, that always stayed with me. So then eventually I finally broke down and I think probably rented it and then watched it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And when I got, when I went back and like realized who the director was, this was a guy whose films I had enjoyed for quite some time without knowing that I'd enjoyed them. Because yeah. Martin Breasted going in style, which was, I like that movie I, a lot. That those that with um, uh oh God, that's George yeah. Burns and the Sunshine Boys. Those three films of the seventies with George Burns to me are his prime as an older actor. And I love that. And going in styles, that remake—you can kiss my ass with that remake. But the the Never that Art Carney and and uh, uh 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 who's the guy from Godfather Two, the Lee Strasberg, Lee Strasberg, and yeah. George Burns. That was a fantastic film. And then he's done a number of films. And then unfortunately, uh, he stopped making films. Martin Brest did after Geely because I guess
0: Geely was enough. And you're you're kind of yeah. It's he didn't just stop. He's disappeared. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's still alive. Yes, is Like because I went and looked. Like, well, what is he doing? What happened to him? Nobody knows. No one even knows where he lives. Wow. It's really weird. Maybe he just, just
4: fell off the face of the earth.
0: And and people say that oh, it's because Julie was such a disaster. And but I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's health. He Could
4: any point like he's just living in Malibu. I don't know. I don't know. Wow, that's what I assume. Um, he's just like you know what. Uh, I don't know if you can curse on this. Yeah, of fuck course. Yeah. Just said fuck it. I got a gorgeous place in Malibu on the beach. <laughs> I hope that's what it is. Yeah, my wife and I, I don't need this shit, and just checked out, and good for you. I hope it's something like that. Not He went, you know, Looney Tunes.
3: He's an interesting cat, because like he did Going in Style in 79, didn't, didn't do an, uh, a film again until 84 with Beverly Hills Cop, and then four years, and then Midnight Run, 40 years, and then Scent of a Woman, uh, then six years, Meet Joe Black, and then Gillian, and then he's done.
0: I mean that's a it's a weird list.
3: It's like a that reverse is a weird list.
4: Yeah, yeah, that is a weird list, especially towards the end there. The Meet Joe Black. Yeah, uh, out of nowhere, I've seen that. It's whatever. It's, not, it's okay. It's, it's okay. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
0: Um, so, uh, so for me, I told the story back when we did die hard, that I was working at a summer camp in 88 and that I came down off the mountain and for die hard without knowing anything about the movie, I walked into a completely empty theater. Cause I liked moonlighting and saw that it was Bruce Willis yeah. and watched die hard completely by myself. And it was one of the greatest movie experiences of my life. This movie came out one week later. So, it's one week after Die Hard. Wow, what I a didn't good back see it. I know, isn't that crazy? Yeah. I didn't see it at that time. I think it was like two or three weeks after that. And I'd come all the way down to San Francisco and I did the same thing. I had time to kill. I went, I'm just going to go see this Midnight Run movie. I didn't know anything about it. I wasn't totally alone in the movie theater. I was about three people in the movie theater. And that Sounds like Die, like Die Hard experience and the Midnight Run <laughs> is the best. So, I just loved this movie. Watched it. This went into the rotation that I watched a lot for the next eight or nine years, but I hadn't seen it in probably 10 plus years when I sat down to watch it last night. Mm. You know, it, it it had been a long time and it still just really makes me smile.
3: Yeah, and it's a long movie. It's two hours and six minutes. Yeah. It is not a, your normal one hour 45, one hour 50 minute caper.
4: Yeah, but they pack a nice bit of story there's a bunch of different mm-hmm. twists and turns a lot and of, yeah great little like reveals that they set up but it's not too overt yeah, yeah. just to move the story along later on mm-hmm. uh, so
0: so a little bit about pre-production it starts with uh, george gallo as the screenwriter and uh john do you know what other screenplay he wrote i do not bad boys oh wh- which one both <sighs> what yeah. What do you mean both? He wrote both.
3: Oh, Bad Boys 1 and 2. Yes. Not the original Bad Boys with S.I. Morales and Sean no, Penn. No, no, no. no Bad Boys, me, Will Smith, and Martin Lawrence. Yes. yes. Ah, okay. That's gotcha. why
4: he keyed in on you. Yeah. You were right to not make eye contact with me for that, <laughs> that little plug. Oh, because of Michael, Michael Bay? Riders. And he actually,
0: he, he actually wrote that first, and he was pitching oh. it to Simpson and Bruckheimer, and they kind of went, eh, maybe, I don't know. And then he runs into Martin Brest and tells Martin Brest, and Martin Brest says, what are you working on? And he says, oh, I'm working on this thing. Martin Brest goes, I don't want to do another cop thing because he's just done Beverly Hills Cop. Right. What else you got? And he said, well, I have this half-baked idea. It's kind of about bounty hunters. He says, oh, tell me about that. And he tells him what he knows. He doesn't have a script. He doesn't have a treatment. He's just been thinking about it. And Martin Brest says, that sounds great. Two weeks later, I think, he's sitting at some coffee shop, and so four people had cell phones, and so he goes and checks his messages. And on his messaging service, it says, Robert De Niro has signed on to Midnight Run. What? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how this movie gets started. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And From he, a concept, not even a script. That's my understanding. Wow. That's my understanding. And and, and so, so suddenly you got a movie and it goes yeah. to Paramount and uh one of the I it, mean, can
4: you just imagine that? You check your service and it's hey, hey, the biggest guy <laughs> Yeah, who you would choose if you were like, you know what, who would be, be great? And you're doing your wish list. You're just hoping somebody takes a meeting on this. You get a message saying, "Hey, De Niro wants in on that." Two sentences.
0: Well, except <laughs> that oh what, what's crazy about it is that that's not his first reaction because his first reaction is this is a comedy. De Niro had
4: never done a comedy,
0: right? And so his first yeah, reaction is is like, okay. And then his second reaction is just as you say, this will be
4: perfect. Yeah, he's just straight in a, most of the scenes. They let Grodin do. Uh, he's not really the straight kind no, of a mix he between is, the two. He is yeah. funny. Yeah. He is
0: really funny in he's all in sorts comfort. of ways. Yeah. His, yeah All sorts of ways he's really funny. Yeah. But we didn't know he had that gear. I mean, like, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so uh, one, one of the interesting things, too, is that De Niro went in and read with all the other actors for auditions, huh. which is crazy. For him. Yeah. Which is amazing. One of the people he read with is Charles Grodin. And they just instantly had this great, great chemistry. And the studio said, no way. Because they wanted another star, yeah. Because this is a two hander, and who's Charles Grodin? You're yeah. gonna put him up against Robin. True, De Niro. but and so they wanted Robin Williams.
4: Oh, huh.
0: So I've th- I mean, I've had more time to think about this. Uh, what do you? I'm curious about both of your reactions. I mean, I think it could work. Maybe not Robin Williams then.
3: Maybe Robin Williams as he got maybe older, later, yeah. yeah, yeah, a little more settled in. That's the thing about Gro- Groden is older than De Niro, or at least he gives that energy. That he's older than De Niro throughout the movie, and I think Robin Williams is still in that. Let let's let's do these things. Yeah, know he's, he's still wild. Yeah, he's still wild during yeah. that
4: time.
0: Well, so. that's my thing is that what makes it work with Groden is the completely slow burn. Is the yeah. non is is the. Minimalist, slow burn. That's yeah. what's working. And Robin Williams is not. That's not him. No, it's really not eighty eight. Uh,
4: yeah, it's the, it's the gentle pecking. Yeah. that he's doing it to Nero, oh. egging him on. The only thing I think that potentially he could have pulled off better, and it's nothing against Groden. It's just that in scene when he uh, gives him his present, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Robin has a compassion in his eyes, but I don't know if he had harnessed it just yet. But he went to Juilliard, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So I would imagine he could pull that off. It's nothing against Groden, but I think Groden is infinitely better served or serving of the project overall.
3: Well, yeah, Robin could have done... I mean, Moscow on the Hudson is a glimpse into what Robin yeah. can do as a yeah. dramatic actor. Yeah. And
0: even that weird Survivors movie. Well, and Wilson even, and like, World According to Carp. I mean, he has... Right, yes, absolutely. He, he had that gear, yeah. to some degree. But I... Well, and the other person... And this this one is even crazier. The other person Paramount wanted was... Cher.
4: Cher?! No. Wow, that's terrible.
5: <laughs>
0: I hope that person
4: got fired. Because it was right share? after Moonstruck. She just yeah. won the Oscar. Oh, yeah, I
0: don't care. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I don't care. No. And and the screenwriter's reaction was we can't have Robert De Niro saying, I'm gonna beat you in the head and stick you in the toilet or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to share. That sure. doesn't it doesn't work. So sure. so so uh Brest goes to Groden and says, We need you we need you to do a screen test. We gotta we gotta prove to the studio that you could do it. And and the way that Hollywood works is that if you're going to do a screen test, well, then you have to write up a contract. You don't do the screen test until you have locked in what your pay is going to be. Wow, um, That's how it's going to work. And so Groton says, sure, I'll do it. And he basically asked for four or five times the the highest amount of money he's ever gotten. And um, and the studio goes, no way. We don't want this Groton guy. You have to do Robin Williams. That's it. And... Martin Brest goes to Universal, leaves Paramount, calls up Grodin and says, "Listen, if you don't have to do the the screen test, will you do it for a lot less money?" And he went, "Oh yeah, sure." And, they, and that's why they take it to Universal, and that's wow. how the movie gets made.
4: Yeah. How much did he get? I,
0: it's not listed in my notes. Okay. I don't have that piece of information. And that's that's pretty much all the pre production I have. You want to yeah. want to get into the movie? Sure. Yeah. That was right.
4: fascinating. I like that.
0: It starts with uh, it starts with De Niro going into some building goes up to pick a lock <laughs> drops something on the ground <laughs> yeah which is fortunate because the next thing that happens is shotgun blast goes through the door Shit. and that dropping something on the ground saves his life yeah kicks in the door guy just running away goes out the uh, fire escape he goes out the fire escape after him gets just misses another shotgun blast he runs down the stairs the other guy goes down the fire escape into the alleyway um, he sees De Niro again, fires again, and just as he's running down the alley, a car comes up, and door from the driver's side door opens, knocks him down, and there we have John Ashton. Marvin Dorfler. <laughs> just a great name. I love John Ashton in this movie. He is great. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and there was this thing like, what is he going to do after Beverly Hills Cop? And of course, Martin
0: Brest had directed him in right? Beverly yeah. Hills Cop, so you have that. What's he going to do? He This is a great role for him. Well, and he says he... After Beverly Hills Cop, he was just typecast. Yeah. People just saw him as Taggart, mm-hmm. and nobody wanted to do anything else with him. He's like, that's not me. I'm yeah. a character actor. Yeah. So he was thrilled to get this. Yeah, I'm sure. And this is his story about auditioning. So both he and Joey Pants say that both of them went into the auditions and knew that they had to read with De Niro, and all the other actors in the room are freaking out. Yeah. And both Pant- Pantaleone and John Ashton say, we didn't really care. John Ashton yeah. goes into the meeting with De Niro, and immediately, Martin Bresson, uh, George Gallo's screenwriter, they go, oh, we have to step outside for a minute, which Ashton thinks was planned. He thinks that every, they did this with everyone to, <laughs> to just leave him in the room with De Niro. De Niro. And they chatted, and then they, the actors come in, and they're about to do the scene, and De Niro reaches over to hand something to John Ashton, just as Ashton's about to grab it, De Niro drops it on the ground in front of him. And Ashton looks at, his, at De Niro, who clearly dropped it on purpose, mm. and went, fuck you, and <laughs> De Niro went, fuck you, and then they fuck you'd at each other for a while, and then they read the scene, and it was perfect, and Ashton walks out the door, and De Niro goes, I want him. Oh, wow. And apparently, he had dropped something in front of every actor, and all the other actors have said, here, let me get that for you, Mr. De Niro. And of course, that's not what he wanted.
4: Yeah, no, that doesn't play into the character, because there's, no. a, there's a commonality in what they do, but yeah. at the same time, it's, it's, <laughs> it, they're rats. Yeah. Just clawing at the same piece of meat.
0: Which is exactly what you see in this scene.
2: Back off, goddammit! I said I'm taking him, alright? All right, alright, Marvin. This guy's Marvin. worth 1200 Okay, okay, Marvin. What the hell are we fighting for? We're friends. Hey, this. nothing personal, Jack, but fuck off, alright? Take get easy. Jesus.
0: Marvin Dorfler is another bounty hunter, and he wants to take this guy in, and he's now got the jump on uh, De Niro's character, which is Jack Walsh, and then De Niro does this, you know, look over there, Marvin looks, he punches in the face, steals the car, grabs the guy, says thanks for the car, and cue music, cue titles, we are off on to Midnight Run. <laughs>
3: And also they they plant something, the door the door trick. The door yeah, trick the, that is the, gonna use throughout the whole movie. And the look planted. over there. Yeah, exactly. And the they look both over there. Within right. the characters. Right.
4: Plus they I on the introduction to De Niro, that kind of shows you what the character is. He's got skill, but just yeah. like all of us, he will make a mistake here or there, but he's also lucky. Yep. And it takes yep. a little bit of luck to be good at this type of job.
0: Absolutely. And we get the music starting, which by the way, this is Danny Elfman. This is one of my favorite scores it's of him.
4: Pure eighties. Oh it is yeah, pure. It's I love the it. same as like that little slap bass of boom, boom boom, beep, beep, <laughs> boom, boom, and just like yeah, yeah. That's that's synthesized on top of it's. It's fantastic. It's very Beverly Hills Cop. It's very yep. a yep. few others from that era. <laughs> I don't
0: know. I love it. It makes every time I hear, maybe it's because I watch the movie so much. Every time that music comes, oh, yeah. out, I just start smiling. It
4: means a good time is coming. Yeah. yeah.
0: He uh, uh De Niro delivers this guy to the, the cops. I love the moment where the cops say, Did he give you any trouble? And he and De Niro goes to the guy, I don't know, did you give me any trouble? And the guy goes, Fuck you, you man. <laughs> <laughs> uh off to Moscone Bail Bonds. Oh yeah. Where we meet mm-hmm. Jerry and Eddie, Joe Pantaleone. By the way, do you recognize Jerry? No. Jerry
3: is the accountant in Untouchables. <gasps> really? <gasps> yeah. That's the guy really? he has to save. It, with the glasses. Yeah. That's the guy he has to save in The Untouchables. Wow. wow, I can't even put the two of
4: them yeah, together. Does it? Yeah, that's amazing. That's why I'm in the Schmoedown, people. It's like, uh, do you guys watch- It's not for your charming personality? No. Nope. Yeah. Uh, billions and <laughs> the Americans? Oh, I yeah. saw the first season of Billions. Okay, so Dollar Bill, the bald guy? Yeah. Loud, abrasive. He is the preacher on the Americans. Mm, really? Yeah. And you now I, I can't never, unsee it. Yeah. but the preacher's like- Oh, with the head the P totally it's the same actor, but it's just giving he creates two completely distinct different characters. Yep. That's amazing.
0: Um and, and we go in, uh De Niro wants to get his money because Pantalone's the bail bondsman. He says
2: Ooh, Boucher, good score, Jack. Nine hundred, right? No, it's twelve hundred. No, nine. That's that's twelve hundred, come on. No. Yeah, yeah, you're right.
0: That's... The arguments between Joey Pants and uh De Niro are great. Yeah. He again. He stands right up to De Niro. Like you got to At certain times, you got to hold your own. You can't. You can't back down for the intimidating actor.
3: I think you always have to hold your own because you'll win it more times than not. Right. I mean, if why would you want to be the kowtowing person that has to work with no, a guy like that the for role three months? To hold for it.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And he says, no, I want to go out and take you out to breakfast and have a conversation with yeah, you
4: Yeah, I want my $1,200 yeah. <laughs> um,
0: And then they go off to I'm not hungry
2: I'm going to take it
4: alone. lunch Yeah, yeah well, take I'm to get
2: that $1,200 first <laughs> well,
4: hey, I'm not good for it That's the other thing with Pamela yeah. Every time he comes back yeah. in the frame I never trusted that guy Just like he's always just keeps squirming around to survive
0: He's a certain kind of character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they go off. To, it's so funny because they went off to this place. I remember living in the Bay Area and looking at this weird place they were eating at and going, what is that place? And I lived in L.A. for 10 years before I found it, you know, and it's Grand Central Market, which is now. Oh, yeah. Huh. It's now like the hip, hottest, coolest. Yeah. I've all been the, done
4: there like five times. Yeah. Times yeah. That's that, a cool place
0: downtown. Yeah. Uh, and they start to have a conversation where uh, Eddie asks uh, Jack if he knows about uh, Jonathan Mardukas, the Duke. And, of course, Jack knows about him. He's the accountant for the, who embezzled a whole bunch of money from Jimmy Serrano. He was a big mob guy. He gave it to charity. Uh, and we get a really cool, important plant, which is...
6: Isn't Serrano the guy that ran you out of Chicago when he was running things back then?
0: He didn't
2: run me out. Yeah,
6: right, right, right. You give up being a cop to do this shit.
0: Um, and we get, oh, there's something, something sort of important about this. And it ends up we find out that Eddie bailed out Mardukas. And if we don't get him, then Eddie's going to be out $450,000. And he wants... De Niro to go out to get him, offers him $50,000. De Niro says, no, $100,000 and a contract, and I'll bring him back. So how does this work, this bail bonds thing?
3: It's a, I'm always confused. Why are Wait, they You've paying... never had to do a bail bond? No, I've never had to. Do... But he's, like, did they bail him out and then he escaped? Is that what happened? So they got to bring him back? Yeah. How did that? Oh, so yeah. yeah. they bailed him out for $450,000, whoever bailed him out, and then he ran out. And so Joey Pants bought the bail from whoever had bailed him. No, out no, initially? no. Yeah. Joey
0: Pants bailed him out.
3: Okay, he's the so, bail bondsman. Oh, and then the Duke snuck away or, or gave him the slip.
0: Right, right. Oh, so which is weird because okay, Mardukus has millions of dollars. So why he needed to need use a bail bondsman? I don't understand. Because yeah. what a bail bondsman is is like you get arrested. They say we need ten thousand dollars bail. You don't have ten thousand dollars in cash. Yeah. You go to a bail bondsman. He says I'll pay the ten thousand dollars after you go to trial. You get the 10 grand back, you're going to pay me 11 grand, and that's how he makes his money. Wow. So it's a loan. Okay. But if you skip town, then the bail bondsman is out of all his money, right? and then we have to hire a bounty on.
4: It could be because he can't show the liquidity of the yeah. money that he stole that yeah. the bail bondsman know, is saying, right? "I know you have it, so I'll front you the 450,000," which okay. means what? His bail is 4.5 million? Something like that? Yeah, it's 10%, right? Yeah, it's 10% usually. Uh so maybe maybe that's it. Yeah, they maybe. never give a backstory as to why on that. I, I didn't and, care. Stable. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter.
0: Fair. fair. So we all we know is that he's, that there is that he has to get Jonathan Mardukas back to Los Angeles within a certain amount of time mm-hmm. to get his hundred grand. So he goes off to the cops, he goes has somebody there, he looks into some records, he finds that, oh, he made this call to this phone number, uh, and it's in New York. I guess I'm going to New York.
4: Yeah, it was the only call that he made. Yep. Like, as soon as he got out or whatever, he got brought in, that was the call that he made. Just like, I will go there. That's his most trusted person. Right.
0: He walks out of the police department, and who should walk up but Yafet Kodo. Yeah! He's so great in this mm-hmm. movie.
3: Unsung hero of the 70s and 80s. Yes. As an actor, Yafet yes. Koto Never not good. Yep. Always great at playing these different parts. More emotional than you think. And subtle as fuck when he's doing his work and it is so fun to watch. one of the great character actors to ever walk the earth i just love Kodo to pieces and he's he, st-
0: he I, this is my favorite of him mm-hmm. he is so funny yeah and there's so much going on with him and and he says too like he no one offered him comedy right well because yeah. because he was alien and you know right. dr no and all these heavies mm-hmm. in all these intense roles which he said he liked doing but he loved doing comedy mm-hmm. and now he's got a bunch of fbi guys and they grab jack and they put him in the back of the car <laughs> they all have sunglasses on <laughs> such great <thing. laughs> this introduces one of our other uh uh running gags is yeah. the sunglasses um and uh by the way his name is agent alonzo mosley alonzo mosley fbi
2: oh, that's a nice badge how can i get one of those Alonzo comes almost. up a lot. <laughs> it's going to come up a
0: whole lot and they ask if he's going after the Duke. No, he's never heard of him. Uh and, and and what we find out is they've been working on the Serrano case for 6 years and they need the Duke and that they don't want anybody else to interfere with him. And and as they're kind of lecturing De Niro on this whole thing, what does he do? He puts on his sunglasses. <laughs> um Alonzo takes them off and um and, he, and De Niro,
2: this is where I say he is funny. Can I ask you something? These sunglasses, they're really nice. Are they government issued or do all you guys go like to the same store again? get them?
0: And they kick him out of the car. And I love that as he's out of the car, they toss him the sunglasses and he does a great little juggle to get them. And then, you know, says, thanks for the sunglasses.
4: Now, do you think that that was the intention was for him to catch it and he's playing the cool yes. character or the intention is actually, that's what I think, and it fumbled and mm-hmm. I think it works better for the character. Absolutely. That's what cool. I think too. Because yeah. you see
3: that he almost steps on the glasses and yep. you see his honest reaction of like, yeah, well, trying and, to. and he's, he's right waiting.
0: near the moving car yes. too. I think it is a great, like he, he uses it and turns it into a great moment. Absolutely. And of course, what's the other thing that he got from Agent Alonzo Mosley? His badge. His badge. Yeah. And he has that great, which was in the trailer, the turnaround badge flash <laughs> moment is awesome. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
3: Hello, Cinephiles fans. You know, we all kind of walk around with these stressors, big, small, medium in our lives that are triggered sometimes by frustrations at work or frustrations at our job or just frustrations overall about our life. Because sometimes, you know this, if you compare, you despair, and you just want to live a life that's a little bit more clean and accepting of yourself yourself and a little more open to receiving positive messages for yourself so you can have that life that you want to live and have that great work-life balance, and it's not always
0: easy. And for me, for years and years, I thought all of this stress, all of this hardship. I had to just carry on my own that this is what it meant to be a man. And it was finally getting therapy where I realized like, oh, I don't have to carry that stuff. There's a place where I can unburden myself and actually get advice and guidance about how to deal with it better in the future. Yeah, Steve, you and I have spoken very proudly about how therapy has
3: helped both of of us deal with our stressors in our lives. And if any of you are listening to us who are thinking of starting therapy, well, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is to fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if things aren't working out, which I think is a great benefit.
0: So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash cinephiles today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash c-i-n-e-f-i-l-e-s. He gets on a plane. What's he doing? He's got a little couple of photos of himself, cutting them out, making a new badge. Mm-hmm. I love it was just blatantly
3: making a fake ID. An FBI, on a plane ID. FBI Yeah in front of a kid. And like stewardesses
0: could be walking by, but well, it doesn't matter. And the matter. kid is watching the whole thing. And finally he shows it to the kid. The yeah. kid's like, oh, I think it looks fine. Yeah, you did a good job. Yeah, nice work. Uh, he gets to the airport, you know, makes a couple of calls, gets an address, and then he some some wise guys come up.
4: I make it short and sweet.
1: People I work for? Really interested in your visit here. Oh, yeah, who are the people you work for? An no old friend of yours from the Chicago days.
0: <laughs> these two guys. <laughs> these two morons. <laughs> Tony and Joey. And, and they, you know, and what we get is, you know, Jimmy Serrano is interested in these guys. You get a million dollars to turn the Duke into Jimmy Serrano. What's fascinating about this movie is that you have point people in every
3: uh, organization that's involved here and then two yeah. idiots. Yes. Cause you have De Niro is the Bell Bondsman. Then you have Pants and Ashton, who in essence are the two idiots. Yafed Koto, he has two idiot FBI guys who are behind him, helping him. The bald dude and the other dude with the curly brown hair. Yeah. And in this situation as well, you have Dennis Farina and then you have these two idiots bumbling around trying to do things so that's what helps the comedy is that you have this, these tent poles and then you have everyone else around acting the fool and it helps you to stay not too serious throughout the whole movie yeah, it's great it also gives gravity
4: to those people that are above them yes yes so when they do finally interact with characters there's weight within those scenes yeah. so you, actually, you you fear them a little bit as opposed to the two bubbling idiots where they're I love the shadow boxing scene. Oh, Jesus Christ. That is so good every time because he's on the phone. He's like, what the fucking? Because <laughs> that's what happens with two it's... guys, right? The f- two dumb guys are fucking They're around just, this all the time. Dipshit is just muscle. And he's just... <laughs> <laughs> the guy's like literally, oh, that's such a real scene of yeah. you would hope he would understand we don't need to be doing this right now. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, he does seem like he'd be dumb enough to not care.
3: Oh. Those little moments that decorate this film yeah. out that Well, this so is so throughout cool. the
0: whole film. There yeah. are all these little details, little character moments that weren't necessary that, but are great. Yeah.
4: Hop along, uh, Scapadouche. What they, <laughs> does he call himself? It's like I don't even know what that means, but I like that line.
0: Um, and uh, and they, you know, they say you change your mind. That gives him his phone number on a little matchbook, which is very important later yeah. on. We go off to a brownstone. He he watches a woman go into the brownstone.
3: Oh, wait, sorry, Steve. I don't want to cut you off. But that scene's important. This scene's important. Their interaction because we get the behind the scenes on what a little more behind the scenes about the fact that De Niro didn't play ball with this guy. Yeah, and that's why previous
0: relationship. Yeah, yeah. that's why he got
3: ran out of Chicago. It's uh, for lack of a better phrase, uh, because he didn't play ball with these two guys' boss, which we don't know yet who it is yet, like uh, the actor yet. Um, So you get this idea. So. He takes the thing. He takes the thing and he says, "Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell Jimmy I said hi or whatever." And he, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And so there's there's already a relationship here established of where they feel they're above De Niro, like they're uh, squeezing a guy, and De Niro now is in a different situation having this come up.
0: Well, they do such a great job in this movie of giving out little bits of information yeah, yeah. like because we had Joey Pance say isn't he the guy who ran you out of Chicago Right, and now we have them saying oh you know you should take this money and we get the sense of the previous relationship Yeah, or we'll get little bits of it as we go along until we get the full reveal later on yeah. um, so he's got a uh, old style tape deck and some kind of electronic equipment and then he mm-hmm. goes off to a phone booth and he calls into this uh, house a woman answers he introduces himself as
2: Alonzo Mosley Federal Bureau of Investigation how are you this afternoon
0: <laughs> we're going to hear that name a lot. Yeah. I don't know why he wouldn't change the name, but he does it and he says, Great, he says, "Oh, we see that you were the first person that got called and we need you to come down to the FBI office and answer some questions tomorrow morning. Just ask for Alonzo Bosley." He gets off the phone, he runs back to the car, turns on the tape recorder just in time to hear a phone call with the beeps, the tones mm-hmm. to another house where a woman answers the phone and then who gets on the phone but Jonathan Martukas, the Duke, and says, "Get off the phone." Yeah. They yeah. hang up. He replays the tape deck, and there he has the tones, and now he knows where the guy lives. I love stuff like this in movies. Mm. It's fun. I like watching how... Now, I don't know what, if any of this really works, but it's fun to watch.
4: I remember... Who was it? They got a toy out of a cereal box, and if they played specific tones, they got free long distance. Yeah. If you did it into the receiver of a phone. What?
5: Somebody out of Silicon yeah, Valley. Yeah, it was Captain Crunch.
4: Yeah, it was oh, Captain Crunch. That's what I thought it was, well, really? 100%. They gave you this yeah. little, tiny, little harmonica-looking thing. And if you played like three or four specific tones out of it, that was the computer code to let it know... Free access to all long distance. <laughs> so they were making international this is, calls. This is they the, gave it out to friends. This
0: is literally the beginning of Apple computers. Wow. Yeah, yeah because it's Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs who know this guy. Yeah. And then they build, I think they call it a blue box or a yellow box or something like that. No clue. And, they, and this was the first thing that Wozniak and Jobs sold together was a little device to hook up to a phone and get free long distance anywhere. They called the Pope. Did they really? Yeah, Wozniak and Jobs called the Pope. Did
4: they actually get like, how far did they get through? They they get got, to get to a secretary? My understanding is they got
0: into the Vatican, but I don't know if they got that much.
4: I don't you know. That. Can I speak it to the Pope? Uh? <laughs> Wait, does an Italian accent help you talk to Italian? I don't know. People? I don't know. I'm asking. I've been to Rome.
3: It may it may help a little bit. Um uh, what uh, I would love it If there was shadow box One was shadow boxing The other one out
0: Yeah there exactly making the call. <laughs> I don't think i, don't, <laughs> Man, think Wozniak, I don't think Wozniak and Jobs Were st- shadow boxing I don't think that was Their relationship Stop it I'm trying to
4: call the Pope <laughs> Well I could see Jobs Just cause he's so rail thin Which means yeah. he's a hyper dude So he could be like fair, The hyper when Wozniak fair. Is just sitting there Like a totem pole Not moving Please, Hey
0: leave me alone God Stop but we digress. Um, he, uh, he, he pulls up to another house, looks around, gets out that trusty lockpick, goes inside and starts sneaking through this house. There's something weirdly intimate about him walking through this place and you see people moving around. Yeah,
3: He's breaking an entry. He's breaking yeah. an
0: entry. This is not a good thing. We're already not feeling good about it. And then here comes a dog. <laughs> that barking dog backs him up into a bathroom. is barking and clawing at the door. And out comes Charles Grodin. He kills it in this part. He is so great. Mm-hmm. And they open up the door, and there's De Niro in the shower, behind the glass, flashing the FBI badge, gun drawn.
2: Eliza almost the FBI. you under arrest. Get this fucking dog out of here. Get the dog out of here, man.
0: It's a great opening.
4: It's also interesting, too, because later on, they have a discussion about who did what to who first. Yes. Yeah. And that is actually De Niro, then. He is now the first, because he's... Representing himself as a knot, right. and you're he like he lied to him first. Yep. Yeah. It's like when you get later on, be like, Well, technically De Niro, when you guys first met, lied to you on the from the Right, jump. Yep. That's a
0: great point. Cuffs him, grabs him in the car, and immediately Grodin goes, Something's something's not right. You work for
1: Jimmy Serrano, don't you?
2: I don't work for that piece of shit. Your bail bond's been hiring me to bring you back to LA and that's what I'm doing.
1: I got money enough. I'm sure you do. I'll give you whatever you want.
2: Stop by shutting up. I know you all have two minutes and already I don't like you.
1: Yeah, that's too bad. I really like you. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, well, especially from Groden's character's perspective of I, maybe if I can charm this guy, I can get out of here. Yeah. So that his has to be from charm perspective from the moment they see each other.
0: Well, except what's weird about it is that he's so underplaying everything emotionally. Mm-hmm. He's not going like he, he's poking at him to get a rise out of him a lot of the time.
4: Mm-hmm. But from a calm place. And as he talks later Very on. Very calm. The Nero's character only has two settings silent rage yeah. so if you come in anywhere between that threshold you can permeate his
2: shell
0: Um, they get to the airport and you know we, we, we sort of he's got him cuffed and he says look I can't take you cuffed on the plane but if you fuck with me I'm going to break your neck and Groden goes
2: I can't fly what? you heard me
1: I can't fly uh, no no you're going to have to do better than that pal no I don't have to do better than that because it's the truth I can't fly I suffer from aviophobia what does that mean? Because I can't fly. I also suffer from macrophobia
2: and claustrophobia. I'll tell you what, if you don't cooperate, you're going to suffer from fistophobia. Calls
0: Eddie up and says, I got the Duke. Got
2: the Duke? Jerry Walsh got the Duke?
0: And he says, I'm on a plane. I'm going to be back here, you know, six hours. And I'm going to bring him to you. And Jerry is listening to this call. Some guys in a van outside are listening to the call. And then Jerry puts down the phone and says, this calls for a celebration.
2: i get some donuts.
0: He walks out to go make a phone call because he's gonna he's he's an informant, and of course Alonso is finding out because the guys in the van are FBI guys.
4: He's yep. literally dropping a dime. Yep, yeah. he's depending, literally dropping yeah. a dime depending on what the call uh, cost of a call is at that point. Yep. Is it still a dime? You think in eighty eight? What do you think? Uh, I don't It'd know. Be like a quarter. You think it was a quarter by then? I think so. Okay, All right. I don't. Know. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Mm. I don't know
3: because I remember seeing the five, ten, twenty five. Yep, I remember seeing that
4: but at what age did that transition? It's I don't a, know. It's a good
3: point.
0: I, I really feel like I've let down the
4: cinephiles. That I don't
0: have this information. In my you don't fingertips.
4: have arcane information that has nothing really to do with this? I have really a, I have a, a long list over. of notes, but that is not, uh, <laughs> it's not among
3: them. Let it be known that he just turned around his left or iPad and show us all Yeah, the well,
4: list. I'm calling your research suspect then. After <laughs> <You're laughs> you suspect. put in 17 hours on yes, that, suspect. you couldn't give an extra hour for all the little details you didn't think about?
0: Well, this is why I had to have you on the show, because I knew we needed to up our game, but I didn't know exactly <laughs> oh, yeah, well. No, good. It's good. And now I know that it's actually coinage and prices from whatever era boom next time you're on the show you are if you if you come in and we do it like you know a, an ancient egyptian epic i will be able to tell you exactly how much oh, oh, oh. What,
4: stargate what's your egyptian- <laughs> Isn't an ancient egyptian egyptian epic <laughs> they go back to the time travel they go to actually what is it a different dimension or something yeah
0: or- um so now Alonzo and the FBI knows that he's in New York. The mob knows that he's mm-hmm. in New York. They both know he's on a plane, that he's going to get back to L.A. And we and we go to Las Vegas, and uh, we meet Jimmy Serrano, which is Dennis Farina. Yeah.
3: He's, yeah.
0: he's just the perfect, oh. perfect mob boss casting.
3: And this is, a, for anyone who's listening who's an actor in their later years, maybe, Farina is a case study. Farina was a cop for like 20 years, 23 years. And then became an actor, and so he slid into these parts of playing a mafia guy or playing a cop so easily because of his experience on that side of the force.
4: But you know the story that I heard is he got a start. He was a cop in Chicago. Yeah. And De Niro was shooting a movie, and he managed to get himself on basically chauffeur duty. Yeah. No, I, mean, that's, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, I believe that's what got him into Hollywood side of acting. Mm-hmm. Was that he was waiting? He was an actor, but also a cop, and got that gig, and then it blossomed from there. So the fact that they're working all these years later, I believe that's a story. Yes, right. it makes it awesome. their, their scenes even all that much better, especially uh, the the closing ones in the airport. And the airport is great. Yeah, and they just you can see like, look, I believed in you back then. You're holding your own in this scene. Like you're an amazing actor. It's it's incredible to watch. Yeah, and they really and
0: they really wanted him, and he was making a crime story at the time. Oh, the TV that. show. God damn it! I, I love that. I never watched it. What? Yeah. Oh
3: man, Michael Mann produced, crime story it was fantastic. Frina is, the, is, is a Vegas cop in the 50s trying to track down this Vegas gangster. I think his name is... Tony something, the actor, I forget Tony something, but he in the whole uh, uh, the whole thing is him trying to track him down, trying to get him in trouble, trying to turn him into the uh, to the feds, everything like that. Stephen Lang's in the in the show; Mm -hmm. he plays a lawyer who's initially on the side of Dennis Freena throughout the whole show, and then he finds out this dirty shit that Freena did, and he said, "If you can break the law and he can break the law, then I don't need to follow the law." And he becomes a mob lawyer and he goes on Tony's side for the second season, and then they. They get caught in the nuclear bomb explosion and that they testing out when they were testing out what? the nuclear bombs. It is such an insanely awesome, crazy show. But And it, and it uh, did the song uh, Runaway from Del Shannon. They oh, used yeah. that as the theme song. It's a great Michael Mann TV show. That's all I'll tell you.
0: So the reason that... So it would only make sense... That Jimmy Serrano is a mob boss from Chicago, so naturally he's in Vegas. Right. Which makes no sense at all. The reason he's in Vegas is because he's literally shooting Crime Story at the same time. Oh. And the only way they could get him was to film Midnight Run, his parts in Vegas. Totally makes
4: sense. I always just took it as he was he's formerly mob, in Chicago, yeah. now basically we need to run shit in yeah. Vegas. That's what so I always it took it as, shifted, too. yeah.
0: It made perfect sense, but it's actually just because of production.
5: Yeah.
0: We're on the plane. First class is nice. Uh-huh. I can make a habit of this. You oh. get some champagne. He's looking at the menu. I remember. I my my wife was on a production in uh in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I flew out to meet her and flew out coach, and then we went to fly home. And because of the production, we got to fly home first class. Nice. So, and it was I'd never done that. First class is nice. Oh, yeah. yeah,
4: yeah. I don't yeah. want to pay an extra. I'm not going to pay $3,000 yeah, for a fucking plane ticket. Yeah, 5 to 1,000% increase over what I'm paying to flying <laughs> steerage. But so. it, it is nice. I think I'm going to have the
2: steak. How about you? I'm not hungry. Well, why don't you then get this, the lobster? Because then I can get a little surf and turf action going.
0: And meanwhile, there's this slow build of Groden sitting next to him. And it is beautiful.
2: No, I can't. I can't. No. No, no, I can't do I Just relax. I can't. Just relax. Yeah, what yeah, did I yeah, do? yeah. Don't pull that shit on me. No, 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 right. no, no. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. No, Get up, I can't. These things go
1: down. All right. These things go down. Right. They go, right. it's, too down. Right. it's too big. It's too big. It can't go up.
3: It's my favorite scene in the movie. It really is. The slow progression of his, of his, as we find out later in the film, fake <laughs> being mm-hmm. unsettled by being on the plane, the flight, it's just genius. It's yeah. absolute genius because he doesn't overdo it. it it's so believable mm-hmm. and so funny in the way everyone is reacting to it. And he's just, I can't, I can't, Dr. I can't, I can't. <laughs> and he's he's almost holding on to De Niro, like, you've got to help me. You don't understand. So it isn't like overly done. No, so the people watching beautiful. it are like, geez, this is really happening. You know, it's so brilliant. These
0: things go down. <laughs> These yeah. things go down. They go down. Oh, it's amazing. The captain comes down and, and he flashes his FBI, you know, yeah. badge that, like, this guy's my prisoner, says I'm Alonzo Mosley, of course. And and the captain's like, you can't take a prisoner who doesn't want to fly on this plane.
4: I wonder if that's true. I, I don't know. I can't imagine they have a choice in the matter.
3: I would imagine it's true because you unsettle the passengers. If you have someone who can't fly because they freak out. Give give him some value. Why well, like I guess. But isn't that something. violating his civil rights to sedate him? I don't know. I saw. I don't know. Con- I, did, that, I, no, no. I'm not saying that. It didn't you're seem you're to be saying. an issue on Con Air. <laughs> I mean, well, those are already sure. convicted criminals. This guy is still, uh, you oh, know. I see. That's yeah. so
0: what he's still not fully through the league. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Probably figured that out.
3: Well, um, he's
4: going to be a. I guess they have him on trial, but the FBI yeah. wants to flip him. Right. To use him to, you know, be a stoolie yeah. against well, the mob boss. And so. this is
0: the thing that, you know, the moral problems with what de niro is doing is huge which is that the fbi wants to flip him and make him in witness protection because let's because this is the key to part of the key of the movie is what the duke did was a heroic thing yeah mm-hmm. and de niro knows that he's bringing him back to at least put him in jail and that people want to kill him and so what he's doing is very questionable in lots of ways um and we'll get more into that as we go into the movie yeah yeah but right now we're going into Grand Central Station because we're going to take a train.
3: <laughs> bow,
0: bow, bow. <laughs> which which Grodin is like, I love riding the train. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what are you smiling? He's got that smirk. <laughs> we get onto the train, and uh, the Duke is very happy to say, "Oh, we got a nice double room. This is really nice." And he and De Niro leads him back to the bathroom. Puts him in, handcuffs him to the inside the bathroom and says,
2: so this is my room and that's your room. Good
4: night. I, just the thereafter when he's pleading his case. Yeah. There's no air. There's no
1: ventilation in here. I told you I was claustrophobic. Come on. What do you think I'm going to do? Jump off a train moving 90 miles an hour? Jack. Jack.
4: That's what kills me about that. It just eventually, it's like, oh, it's it's worth more to me to get him out here and shut him up yeah. as opposed to just keeping him in a separate little, you know, cubicle.
0: Well, this is the thing with what Grodin did with this character is it's this monotone mm-hmm. jack, jack. Exactly. <laughs> You'd know. be surprised if he, like, figured
3: out that it was the Chinese water torture technique. Because totally. it's eventually, it's just the water, and you're just like, I can't do it anymore. It's just slowly, slowly wearing you down. What well, um,
4: it would it would pivot too, so it would be that, and then right. it' turn to nice, yeah, and then he'd turn back to that and be like, I'm sure this violates some sort of a c l u thing, Jack, come on, what do we you know, yeah, it'll pivot back and just keep going it's it's relentless, and yeah. it'll just drive him nuts eventually,
0: yeah, it must be tough to be married to him. That is <laughs> not a guy like you want a marital fight with <laughs> It seems really honey, difficult, honey, don't you think you should be putting that over there, uh, honey. <laughs>
4: Yeah. Oh, it's just passive aggressive nonstop. Yeah, that time. seems to be his main. I'm amazed his go-to he's still married.
0: Technique. Um <laughs> well, well he does have some money millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Oops. and we have at LAX and there's Alonzo at the plane, and he's talking to the captain, and and he says I'm special agent Mosley, and the captain's response is Are all you guys named Mosley? Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> that means uh, he took your badge. Yeah. And I
0: love that turnaround of Yopet going to look at this idiot like, Yeah. You think
3: you dumb son of a bitch.
0: And, and they hear, they hear what happened. And at the same time, Jimmy Serrano is calling. Yeah. Is this moron number one?
2: Put moron number two on the phone.
0: <laughs> Which is really how I think of those two guys. I had to look up oh, yeah. that they're named to- Tony and Joey. Yeah. <laughs> but to me, they're just moron number Tweedled one. D, Tweedledum. Yeah. Um, and I love, Farina has all of these great lines like,
2: You and that other dummy better start getting more personally involved in your work,
0: or I'm going to stab you through the heart with a fucking pencil. Do you understand me? <laughs> <laughs> to, and then and then Joey, which is sort of the dumber of the two morons, goes, He ain't mad at me, is he, Tony? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: Well, I mean, that's where the the two of them, which you brought up before, being the underlings, whatnot—they inject humor into so many different spots that it helps move the movie along too. It doesn't drag it down; it gets too serious, or you know, it it gives it a nice even keel throughout. Yeah. Back in
0: the uh, in the sleeper car, Jack has now got a little notepad and he's doing something on it. And the Duke asks him, "What are you doing? Arithmetic? What for?"
2: Well, you know, I was thinking after I turn your ass in and collect my money, I'm gonna open up a nice little coffee shop.
0: And I love the first thing he does. He goes, "Well, if you're taking a hundred thousand dollars, take me back. Will you take two hundred thousand dollars to let me go?"
2: I never took a payoff in my life, and I'm not going to start with someone like you.
0: And there's a long pause, and then, and then the Duke goes, "A restaurant is a very tricky business." <laughs> yeah.
2: If I were your accountant, I'd have
1: to strongly advise you against.
2: It. You would, huh? Yeah. Well, you're not my accountant.
1: No, I mean, if I were your accountant, I, was,
2: I told you I took you out here. No, and- I'm
1: just saying that it's a very, very tricky business, and if I were your accountant, I would really strongly have to advise you against it as a, as an
2: accountant. You're not my accountant. I, I realize I'm not your accountant. <laughs> and then again, he won't
0: let it go. It's you're right, It's Chinese water torture. Yep. It's just, just, just keep poking at him. And what is? And the last thing that Jack does in the scene is play with his watch. Which again is one of these running threads, which are all so good in this film. I wish we should add them up at some point. Which is like, there's the sunglasses, there's the FBI badge, there's the
4: playing with the watch, there's the car door, and then the hey look over there. Yep, yep. Um, there's a I'm, bunch. I think we're gonna find more. I mean, obviously the Grodin constant. Yeah, but that's not quite the same. Thing.
0: Well, and we're gonna have repetitions of lines like, "Why were you so unpopular with the Chicago Police Department?" Yeah, you yeah. know, the repetition repeti- repetition is really important in comedy. You know, I won't I won't speak to you. You're you're the expert.
4: <laughs> it's utterly subjective. So sometimes it works. You can play by the rules, and sometimes the rules fail you because sure. maybe the joke sucks. Well, because it has to actually be funny. That's the other part. Yeah, of it. and then that in and of itself is, is subjective. Cause some people find things that funny and all of us sit there and go, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. Like that is, that is terrible.
0: Eddie, however, is also upset that they missed the plane. And so his response is we should bring in Marvin. Um, And we cut to Marvin in a motel room, Eating some stuff with a dude handcuffed in the bathroom. Apparently, handcuffing a guy in the bathroom, that's a bathroom—that's a—that's a standard move. I mean,
3: was he about in the
4: bathroom? Heard. I thought he was lying on the bed, and the other oh, dude no, was no, like yeah. chained next to the TV. Yeah,
3: he's not in the bathroom yet. He's chained next to the TV. He moves him into the bathroom later. He moves Duke into the bathroom. Yeah, to take Duke the in the picture. bathroom later. But oh, I thought he was no. chained. Uh-huh. No, he's, uh-huh. no, he's chained uh-huh. by the TV. Yeah. Oh. That
4: dude just stays there, and then just, yep. hey, guess what, asshole? It's your lucky day. Yeah. Yeah. he leaves him
0: there because he gets the call from Eddie that he's going to give him a big payout, twenty five thousand yeah. dollars. To go get the, And the other one of the just nice little detail is when he asked De Niro, do you know about Jonathan Mardukas? And he says, oh, yeah, this is the accountant guy. When he asked Marvin, he goes, no, I have no fucking idea. That right. That, guy is. <laughs> um, that lets you know, the
3: less educated you are, the less money you're going to make in life, no matter what.
4: Yeah. That's a life lesson right there. Mostly. I hadn't uh, brought those two together, but that is no, true. Just saying.
0: As soon as Marvin decides to take the job, gets on the phone call, calls Jack's credit card company. Apparently has his social security number. Yeah, apparently, and says, "Where was the last time I spent my my money?"
2: The Amtrak office, Grand Central Station. Huh? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, okay, yeah, thanks very much. Uh, hey, uh, maybe we ought to cancel that card, huh? So
0: Dorfler's an idiot, but he's good at his job. He is. Yeah. Good at he knows job. what he's doing. Yeah. in specific moments. Uh, we're in the dining car. Jack's got some delicious-looking fried chicken or something. <laughs> <laughs> the Duke is just staring at him.
1: Familiar with the word arteriosclerosis? <laughs> you want to outline a complete balanced diet for you.
0: It was hard for me with this movie because I wrote down the whole scene.
1: was well, great
4: know, scripts. It's
0: yeah. so funny.
4: Well, the back and forth, too, and then when he twisted it back on him later. Oh, yeah. so you're doing something that you yeah. know is bad for you? Gotta...
0: <laughs> which, is, which is the you know he's eating stuff that he knows is bad for you and we get to this you know you're living in denial oh i'm aware of it and that uh he stole money from the mob which he knew was a bad idea and he's like i'm aware of it yeah and we get to this one other thing which is that did you just do this because you want people to love you because you gave all the money to charity don't
1: you want to be loved lots of people who love me really who
2: really? hmm. got an ex-wife and i got a daughter in chicago how do they put up with all your sarcasm? Beautifully. I've never seen either of them in nine years.
0: And again, we get to this, okay, what's the deal here? What's the backstory?
2: I think that's why Groden
3: likes him from the beginning, because he senses Jack is not an idiot. Jack is not a standard bounty hunter or whatever. There's something more to him. And the fact that Jack surrenders this information in this moment, like, why does he tell him about the kid and the wife? Like, it's weird, but yeah. they're developing a sort of, like, it's, it's a slow friendship that's building through the movie. And that those windows are happening and i think jack well and you know like i said this is my analysis of the situation the fact that finally jack has like turned the tables on charles Mm groden in that scene and said oh you do things that are bad for you as well it makes him feel a little comfortable and then he can reveal that information a little bit more because he's revealing it from a position of power rather than duress
0: and so it's interesting well, it also seems to be part of Groden's technique. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is like, I'm going to poke at you and poke at mm-hmm. you and poke at you. And then eventually Jack's going to let something slip yeah, just to shut him up. And then now he's got an opening mm-hmm. and now he's going to try to wedge himself into that opening because now he's asking about the why. Why don't you visit them? Yeah. yeah. You know, like.
4: Find commonality, humanize the situation.
0: Yeah. And it's all in the sort of the guise of I'm being nice to you and offering you some advice. But it's also just that poking is going on. Um, and, and at which point he shuts it down. It's like dinner's over you know you don't have any right to ask me these questions um and then we have this one other thing as they're leaving he says in addition to him criticizing how much he tips the waiters as they were leaving he says
1: oh i wouldn't worry about it jack i'm not going to be with you that much longer what do you mean well what i know about serrano if i go to jail i'll be dead within 24 hours so sooner or later i'm gonna have to give me the slip
0: and then marvin dorfler boards the train
2: can i uh help you sir yeah, yeah, I'm looking for this buddy of mine, Jack Walsh. He told me to meet me on this train. Uh, yeah, Mr. Walsh. She's in bedroom D. Next car.
0: Goes in, sees Jack asleep, finds Charles Groden in the bathroom, and then, boom, gets slammed up against the wall by Jack, gun taken away, thrown on the floor, Porter runs up. What's going on? He says,
2: All right, everything's under control. Take it easy. Alonzo the FBI. Radio ahead. I want the local police at the next stop to place this man under arrest. What the fuck are you talking about? That's a no you.
0: Bye, Marvin. I guess we're never going to see him again. <laughs> and now we're back to FBI agent Alonzo, who finds out that Mardukas and Walsh were on an Amtrak and another bounty hunter was arrest- arrested. And Alonzo goes, I want the jet ready in 20 minutes. Now we're at the next train stop. And Alonzo Mosley has got a whole bunch of guys with a whole bunch of guns. Searched the train, probably got out two or three stops. And the reporter comes up to him and says,
4: His real name's Mosley. I'm Mosley. Yeah, it's just more good character develop, development from him throughout. We're only going to give him small scenes, at least they are memorable.
0: And now Jack calls up. Eddie again, again, Jerry answers again, Jerry listens in on the call and now Jack is
4: pissed
0: about how, why did you put Dorfler on this case? Mm -hmm. And by the way, one of the smart things they did normally when you do phone calls on a movie set, you're not going to bring in an actor who's not shooting that day. And so usually like the script supervisor will read the other part with the actor. De Niro was on every single phone call with Joey Pants. Wow. They were yeah. they always were acting with each other when they did this stuff. That's great. And it shows because they, they're really tight and they're improving together. Yeah. I love the him banging the phone on the <laughs> when he's talking. <laughs> are
3: you done, Jack? Are you done?
0: Yeah. And now he says, okay, we're gonna get on a bus. And of course, the guys in the van are watching, and Jerry says, I'm gonna go get some donuts. And so we're <laughs> yeah. continuing with this same thing. So let's buy some a one-way ticket to LA at the bus stop credit card's been denied Jackson, like, no i paid the bill run it again there are a lot of movies that have the run it again yeah including a movie that was released one year earlier that i kept thinking about on this film hmm. another film that started off in an airplane and then went to a train <laughs> yeah and uh, then went yeah. to an automobile yeah. and buses planes trains and automobiles there's a lot of similarities with this movie, and the score is similar as well. Yeah, those, those brown brown moments that are there. Yeah, and you have these two characters from different yeah. backgrounds mm-hmm. who are eventually going to kind of work together on some level, and they're going to, you know, everything. They're going to lose everything as they fight their way across. I mean, it's it was really weird. Interesting. I mean, they're not the same, but but it's like they're one year apart. Yeah, and they have a lot of similarities. And well, I lo- those pictures were doing well. Yeah, yeah. so yeah.
4: it's kind of the same thing but different. And and what
0: what makes the scene as he's talking about the credit card getting declined is Charles Grodin's reaction shots just shaking his head oh yeah it's not responsible and all the eye contact with the woman who's behind the desk it's great yeah
4: yeah just the the parent kind Yeah. saying exactly. like mm, look at him he's trying but this is sad and and finally he takes
0: the last thing which is of course his credit card it says jack walsh he pulls out his FBI badge
2: alonzo uh, jack walsh federal bureau of investigation this is an official business i'm taking this man and he's in my custody i'm taking him to los angeles okay so please try this once more jack walsh is not the name on that badge sir would
0: you like me to call the fbi
3: or would you like to pay cash
0: (laughs) i'll pay cash and he doesn't have enough so he asks uh john do you got any cash and he goes oh i got lots of money and he reaches into his pocket and pulls out like 20 bucks you call that lots of money Um, buys his tickets and they're on the bus. Mm -hmm. Marvin is sitting with some cops and in walks agent Mosley Mosley. And every time he shows up, there's that theme. Walks in, (laughs) takes a cigarette from, takes his pack of cigarettes, lights a cigarette, pockets the pack.
4: (laughs) yeah straight up too yep like that was a full-on i used to smoke and i couldn't imagine sitting there watching hey, hey what are you doing with that <laughs> just like lighter is one thing that yeah. happens all the time people snake lighters but just to take this take the whole pack not even flinch just puts it right in his pocket like he does this to all the people he works with
0: and this is another running gag um and he asks what he knows about walsh and now we're back on the bus Jack is smoking on the bus. That was one of the weird things watching the movie. Yeah. We're smoking on the plane. Right. We're smoking, smoking on the bus. Everywhere. We're smoking everywhere.
4: Yeah. Waiting in line to buy tickets. Yep. Smoking. We're just, just smoking just... cigarettes. Forget. Yeah. No. I remember when the band was coming and I thought it was crazy and I didn't even smoke at that point. I'd given it up and I was like, ah, oh, you smoke at a bar. Yeah. And now I can't imagine yeah. going you know, to like a theater or friggin' Arby's they used to have little ashtrays. Oh yeah. Yeah, just ridiculous. Well, and 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 your car had
0: obviously had an ashtray. Right. Yeah, and it was funny. Like when I go to places of like be in Vegas or something where they do allow smoking, I'm like, it's terrible. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. It stinks. You um, smell like it the next day. It's yep. like, it's all there. But, I don't know. It ages you. And, and the Duke has some problems with the smoking. Why are you doing them? Cigarettes are killers. <laughs> put it out
5: again. <laughs> he, he's poking
0: at him. Put it out. Jack. Yeah. Put it out. Put it out. And I love. Th- <laughs> there's a moment where it looks like he's putting it out. He doesn't put it out. I thought you no, put no. it out. No. Yeah. It's no. perfect. And then, if it's not poking about the cigarettes, he goes, You know, when we change buses in Chicago, why don't you look up your wife? Your It'll be good for you.
2: Man, why don't you mind your own business?
0: And he, again, he de- he gets poked and he poked and he yeah. reveals a little bit more. Why?
2: Yeah. I, just to get you off my back, I'll tell you why. She married a police lieutenant, and I'm not very popular with the Chicago Police Department, okay? Why aren't
1: you popular with Chicago uh, Police that's Department? That's a holiday.
2: Uh, what do we know each other? Get, what did. Why? Why?
0: And he's gonna ask that question over and mm. over.
1: Why aren't you properly with the Chicago Police Department? That's
2: something that really doesn't concern you. Did she hurt you, Janet? Yeah. And I love this. I'm sorry. What are you sorry about? I'm sorry you're hurt. I'm not hurt. You just said you were hurt. I'm not hurt. You just said you were hurt. I didn't hurt. say I was hurt. You said I was I hurt. I asked you if you were hurt, and you said, yeah, I'm hurt. That's because you you made me say. You're starting to put words in my mouth. Jack, you're a grown man. You have control over your own words. You're goddamn right I do. So here come two words for you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs>
0: That's a perfectly constructed joke. And then, of course, because uh, Yafet Koto is always one step behind, he finds out that Walsh is on the bus. They say we're going to let Marvin go. Um And we're still on the bus. And now he's talking about chest x-rays and secondhand smoke. And again, he asks, why aren't you popular with the Chicago Police Department? Uh, We're back in Vegas with Jimmy Serrano. Mm -hmm. And he gets visited by Sydney Philip Baker Hall. Who's great. And and obviously has some concern about what's going on with the Duke. He's the mob lawyer. But Serrano's like, everything's taken care of. We're all good. Because the bus is pulling into the station. And a whole bunch of snipers are setting up to take it out. Um, And the FBI pulls up. Um, just as people are starting to come out of the bus, and out come Jack and the Duke. And Alonzo goes, remember me? And he puts on those sunglasses. <laughs> he says, hey, oh, Agent Foster Grant. Do they still have Foster Grant
4: glasses? I don't think so. I don't oh, think God, that's I don't a brand. No, I think that um, died a long time ago.
0: Mm. So, and, and then those snipers, man, they opened fire. Yeah, that was weird. That was it, a weird
4: thing, right? It yeah, is- it doesn't make sense. When you watch it, you're like... At that point, all of you can turn, like, walk away, and no one's going to be upset with you. Why I do mean, you have I mean, there's fire? like 50 cops here. Yeah. Why is this a suicide mission?
0: Well, and and they're shitty snipers. Yeah. I mean, they're like. Oh yeah. yeah. They hit like, no one. Especially when the FBI just away. opens
4: up and they have revolvers and like yeah. three of those dudes yeah. die. Yeah.
0: yeah. But it does create enough of a distraction for Jack and the Duke to to run away, goes over a, a wall, starts dragging him away. And Jack jumps into Alonzo's actual car, Mm -hmm. puts on the siren, and they drive away. And in the car, you know, first of all, there's the the Duke realizes that those are Serrano's people and they're trying to kill him. And then he sees some paperwork and he sees that, wait, Alonzo has a bug on Eddie's phone and that's how the FBI has been figuring out where they're going. Uh, Leaves the glasses on the steering wheel. Again, we get the sunglasses joke. Um, And... Now one our morons get to call Jimmy and tell him that it didn't happen, and this is the scene you were talking about with the shadow boxing that is just so great.
4: Yeah, because they're like, "Oh, it all went to hell." The one guy is like, "Everything went nuts," and the other guy is literally just it's that's it's such good comedy, and guy hardly says a word. Yep. And now we're back to Jack's wife's house.
2: I can't believe this. I haven't seen either of them in nine years, and the first thing out of my mouth is going to be, "Can I borrow a few hundred bucks?" I have a feeling this is going to be very good for you. <laughs> person that
0: answers the first is a kid.
5: Who are you guys?
2: I'm your mother's ex-husband.
0: And, of course, now we find out that they're on the news. She knows about him. He's in big mm-hmm. trouble. And he comes inside and he says, oh, I want to borrow some money. Um, and the kid is looking at Charles Grodin and goes, you don't look much like a criminal. I'm a white-collar criminal. Yeah. It's a great little sideline. <laughs> it's great. Um, the actress here does a really nice job. She's great.
3: It's one it's literally one scene. Yeah. And, yeah. and, Her and really the the
0: really little girl that's oh, yeah. about to come. Yeah. Yeah. She's excellent girl's too. Great. Yeah. Um yeah, because and, and it's like Ted, who's the lieutenant yeah. Is gonna come home, was now a captain. Mm-hmm. And now we hear more. It's like, oh well, I'm sorry, I don't have enough money to bribe him right now. Right. We get a sense of which really makes me wonder about what is this story? Yeah. Like she left jack to marry a guy that was on the take and did she know and what did and how did all this happen
4: yeah they took it for jack had to split town yeah and she had to stay for whatever reason and was forced to live there and raise their their daughter and this guy was making good money he was on the fast track he was going up it provides security everybody else is on the take and we all know it so why don't you it is chicago for christ's sake yeah and the
0: balance is great which is that she doesn't want to be lectured by him but she is sympathetic with him and he Mm -hmm.
4: does want to be
0: nice to her but he is also angry at her and they're both kind of trying to make it through this and then of course in wants the daughter and the scene with the daughter is great so good this is where you see i mean i don't know if you're aware of the fact that de niro is a really good actor yeah yeah, he's good.
4: This is what cemented it for you. <laughs> this is who You finally went. This guy's got something. I think he's
0: got some talent here. You
4: know, I saw him in some other things earlier, but this is this yeah, is next know. level right here.
0: <laughs> um, they have a really nice scene. Hi, Denise. You got so big, and I can't. I mean, I just think about like you left your kid. You haven't seen your
3: kid for nine I don't. years. Well, this is what's interesting about acting too. Like this scene, that little girl is fantastic. Mm-hmm. She did maybe one or two movies after, and then never. Again. I couldn't place her. What were the other no, two movies? Uh, you know, no, not at all. I, I was looking it up when I was watching the movie, and and she she was heralded out of Broadway. She'd won oh, really a drama. She'd been a, a, a nominee for Drama Desk Awards at fifteen years old. Mm-hmm. The wife. Who plays the white... She's been working steadily ever since. It gets two or three episodes every year on show. So I was watching... I was, like, looking these people's IMDb up because I'm always amazed that people will come in and do a solid, great work in these small little scenes with not a lot of time on screen, That yet they help to humanize the care of the main character so well... Yet they don't go on to do these things over and over and over again, and I always wonder about their stories. And so, well, and it's my
4: own thing that <laughs> that ending between the two of them when they're outside yeah, the car. she brings him money. Yeah, she brings him the money, and oh. now knowing, having seen the full arc of the movie, and to see his refusal of it. You can see the pain within him, and she doesn't understand why I had to leave. I was forced out. It was for your own safety. You're too young to understand that. I can't take your money. Like, God, I love you for the fact that you're so giving right now because your only worldview is I left, and I'm a shitty person, and you're not wrong. You just don't know the full scope of the situation here, and they carry that out like— Cause I missed that the first time because you don't understand the subtext until the reveal later on. So right. watching it a second time, you're like, man, that's some fucking great acting right yep. there. It yep. really is. Yeah.
2: Isn't much about $180 babysitting money. Sweetheart, I can't. I can't. Please. I Take can't, it. I can't,
0: sweetheart. And and by the way, the, the wife is giving him forty bucks and the keys to the station wagon. Now we're at a payphone. And he makes a collect call for Eddie. Again, Jared gives Eddie the phone. And I love this scene.
2: Where are you? Where am I? I'm in Boise, Idaho. No, 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 wait a minute. I'm in Anchorage, Alaska. No, 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 wait. I'm in Casper, Wyoming. I'm in the lobby of a Howard Johnson's, and I'm wearing a pink carnation.
0: And Eddie's like, what are you talking about? He goes, no, I'm talking to those other guys. Let me describe them. There are a couple of guys in a van, and they're constipated, and they smell of coffee, and they got lots (laughs) of BO, and they've been sitting in the same place um and that's of course when he reveals that your your you know your phone is tapped so then he says he gives himself go to go to chen lu's they they can't run a tap that fast he runs over to grand central market jack calls him he says wire 500 dollars to the western union in amarillo texas and they're driving now of course then who does eddie tell to wire the money but he tells jerry who we know is selling him out to the mob right so we know the amarillo news is going to go around real quick and of course we tell Dorfler to let's get Marvin Dorfler down there too. <laughs> We're on the road.
1: 96 bottles of beer on the wall. 96 bottles of beer on the wall. Ba ba boom. Ba da 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 da, da boom. Nine. Ninety-three bottles of beer on the wall.
0: Have you ever sung ninety-nine bottles of beer on the wall? On a road
4: trip? No. Yeah. Really?
0: In, yeah. In um,
3: Catholic, the CYO stuff, you'd take those trips. You would do that in the buses. It was the worst. I love what,
4: it. What? Catholics, they still have a drinking song. I'm Catholic. <laughs> so makes a lot of sense, you know? You know, you yeah. Know. yeah. What it's no, it's what? weird. There's a lot of impermissible things in Catholicism, but drunkenness, that's nah, not really one of them. What
0: number did you get to?
3: Well, we would, I remember going over, What? Starting over again. Like, oh my God. Yeah, these trips would last quite some time.
0: We sang it on like Boy Scout trips. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But we only got to like 85. Oh,
4: geez. Where were you going? Because the novelty wears off. Because the
0: song is boring and stupid. (laughs)
3: Oh, well, sure. Oh, I see what you're saying. You mean where you'd stop? We'd stop. Oh, no. They wouldn't let us stop. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. (laughs)
4: Oh, my God. After we finished, (laughs) we got down to none left. Yeah. If they went, hey, 99. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. Searching for a gun that doesn't (laughs) exist. Oh, my God. God. Just jump out that you're looking yeah.
0: at that emergency window thing on the <laughs> bus. It's like I can't do this again. Those yeah, you're gonna worse. have like repetitive stress <laughs> syndrome from just yep.
4: banging your head against
0: the glass. But Charles Groden's interpretation of this song is 99 <laughs> 93 bottles of beer. Oh wall. Yeah, he skips a <laughs> bunch he, of
4: numbers. Like, yeah, he's just humming it along, and then suddenly there are three ahead. Oh, the hum was worth three, wasn't <laughs> it? <laughs> and we go, of course, right into
1: why were you so unpopular with the Chicago Police Department? Cause your personality.
0: And then he gives him a little more that the, his wife married a corrupt cop. And he asks, what happened to you? And again, great reaction from De Niro. He, he has just, it's the comedy chops that I'd never seen before that are just right. so good. Um, but also, it also feels like this case
3: and uh, this guy showed up at a time when he was having his own thoughts about, What he's doing with his life, Mm -hmm. like he seems to have caught him at this time when he's self-reflective about his life, right? Which is why when he's asking these questions, De Niro is kind of playing that, yeah, in wanting to tell him and wanting to be open about it, but then like not being sure about it. But but it's definitely something's been weighing on his mind.
4: Well, plus what other social interactions does he have? Yeah, who does he have to talk to? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, 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 he's such a solitary individual. If you're a, a bounty hunter and mm-hmm. you're dealing with loan sharks that guy's the closest thing you have to a friend right you can't tell him all this stuff and you're alone and Croton's not so bad well yeah because most of the guys he's bringing in are just low life scumbag yeah he's not yeah. gonna share anything with them try to shoot him with a shotgun and that's we assume par for the course
0: yeah but now he's got many days with this guy who is intelligent and perceptive and keeps mm-hmm. asking compassionate
4: you, know? you already know that because he gave the money away to the poor right yeah like yeah. moralistically a good person.
0: Yeah. And uh and now he we do hear a little bit more that he was uh undercover cop, that he was working a drug, a heroin dealer. He had got, spent a year getting close to the guy, right. and then he got framed. You know, they they planted a bunch of heroin in on him, and his choices were go on the payroll or go to jail. And he says, I didn't go on the payroll. And you're and you think he just skipped town. That's your.
4: That's what I assumed. He just I'm never town.
0: sure. I, th- I think you're right. I think that seems like a good explanation for what. Yeah, I
4: mean. Because there's never any, I spent time in prison. He doesn't seem fully disgraced because the cops are still interacting with him. Yeah. Whereas if he had done time, I don't think, I think it'd be bounty hunter and going into a police station would be kind of difficult just from the, because yeah, they're already right. breaking his balls in that first one. He's like, I think, was it the snack machine was broken the oh, other right, day, that right, kind right. of thing. So if he had been in jail, they don't even make that joke with him. It's just, yeah. you know, fuck yeah. you. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, and the next thing, of course, he does is check his watch.
1: Did you get yourself a new watch? I'll tell you when I know you better.
0: And I love Grodin's response, which is sort of,
1: you know me better. When are you going to get to know me better? I'm going to get to know you better. You're not going to get to know you me shut better. shut up. That's what I
0: mean. <laughs> because, he, you know, De Niro doesn't ask him any questions. Right. We're right. into a diner. Breakfast. Groden asks, how much money we have left? And De Niro puts <laughs> uh, the money on the table. And we look at It's not a lot of coins. No. This is great. But he did use the money to buy cigarettes, which he's smoking mm-hmm. inside. And the waitress comes up.
1: How much is the coffee? It's 53 cents. How much is tea? 53 cents.
0: And then there's this amazing pause. And he looks down at the money. And he looks up at her and says, I love tea. <laughs> I think this is the funniest moment in the movie for me. Oh, really? oh man, it's a good I just moment. Love because what are you, what are you what is he thinking about there? Right, they both cost the same. He's looking. What is he calculating? If, if you watch that scene, I think he's
3: improving because you catch the actress look to her left past the Oh, really? Which is looking at the director, going, "Do I keep going?" Like, and he's probably going, you know, like this and playing along with it. You can catch it's a quick glance, but she does goes. And then and then does it. I it's so great.
4: Yeah, rewatch for that. It's so great.
0: It, sa- it sounds like, by the way, with Grodin and De Niro, it's not that there was a lot of improv. Right. But there was a lot of, they were in the hotel room running lines with Brest and Gallo yeah. there yeah. and ad-libbing there and then incorporating that. And the script was being rewritten just constantly as they're going. Right. So they're not just making it up on the set, but a lot of this is coming from their, you know, yeah. playing. And I love, too, that you know, she tells him about the special, which is chorizo and eggs. And there's just a long description about what that exactly What's means. What's chorizo?
3: It's a Mexican sausage. <laughs> oh, oh, it's
0: all brilliant. Um, but we find out that in nine or ten minutes, we're going to go over to Western Union. You can have anything you want. What does he want? Chorizo and eggs.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I
0: love, this is the first time that I think he calls him John.
2: You know, John, you're in this mess because you're in this mess. I didn't put you in this mess. You understand? Yeah. if you had left jimmy serrano alone this wouldn't be happening
0: and and this is the first time we hear that actually he had more of a plan he had a way out which is that he was going to copy all of the information on all the transactions whatever onto some discs which of course at the time were floppy discs mm-hmm. and then he would have leverage over serrano because he could wipe him out and all of the bad guys but he got Arrested before he had time to do that, yep. um, and that's a that's a key you know piece of exposition that gets thrown out. And Jack's response is, "Why didn't you just leave him alone?" And he goes, "Why didn't you leave the heroin dealer alone?" Yeah. Um, and, and now we hear a little bit more of of Groton's backstory, which is he thought he had a legitimate job, yeah. and the discovery of going like, "Oh, I'm actually helping horrible criminals do horrible things," was hugely painful.
2: Yeah, but John, you still took what didn't belong so, to you. How can you be on the side of a mobster? I'm not on the side of a mobster. You're on his side if you're not on my no, I'm side. I'm not on anybody's man. side. I got nothing to do with it. You got everything
1: to do with this. You're taking
0: me to jail, and in jail, you know I'll be killed. And this is where the real moral issues with uh, Jack Walsh happen. Hmm. And 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 I love uh, Groden's argument, which is... Did you read
1: about me in the papers?
2: Yeah, I did. Were you on my side then? Yeah, I was. Then why aren't you now? Because now you're in my way. I'm in your way. I'm in your way. What you mean is, you want the money for turning me in? Because that's all you're about. You're just about the fucking
4: money. Yeah, but it's also like, Jack has a certain code. Right. And right now, you are unfortunately violating the the one that supersedes, apparently, most others. Yeah. Which is my bread and butter. And that 100000 could change his entire you know life. And you are his, not meal ticket, so to speak, but... You're a criminal. Yeah. You, that, you don't have to a me. high ground to stand on.
0: Well, that's I think he's divided up the world into criminals and not criminals. Mm-hmm. And this guy's on the criminal side, mm-hmm. except that he's a good guy, you know, and I think that's starting to penetrate a little bit. And it's interesting too because he was around all the cops and those cops were on the criminal side. Yeah. Really? You know, and yet they were not criminals, they were cops. Like, this, gets, this is where I think Jack is getting forced to think about these things. And we don't know at this point in the movie how much he's really thinking about them, mm-hmm. like what he really thinks. Joey and Tony, our two morons, are at a helicopter trying on a hat, maybe take a picture. And of course, who do they see before they even have to get in the helicopter? But Jack and the Duke walking out of that diner uh, and they grab him. And Jimmy sends his regards, and this is the end. I think these guys are going to die, mm-hmm. except who comes up? But Marvin firing a
5: shotgun.
0: <laughs> Dorfler?: Yeah. I love the way this is constructed, that we keep having our characters interact at just right. the perfect times. And does Marvin know who these guys are? Yeah. No, no clue. T- no clue. Knocks out one guy with the butt of the shotgun. Oof.
4: Which what does he say into the mic?
0: and then just yeah. yeah. Bam. And then there's just some, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? And he knocks Tony out. And as this is going on, Jack handcuffs himself to John. And Marvin's like, give me the keys. And he takes out his keys and he drops them in the sewer. Yep. Um, Package deal. Yep. Got to take them together. Um, And we're driving along. um, And and now Marvin's asking the question. I love, by the way, that we sit all three in the front seat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which doesn't really make sense, but it's great for the shot.
4: Well, if you put them in the back seat, though, now they're a threat to the driver. Oh, actually, you're right. So you have to put
0: them in the front seat. That's actually a really good point. Um, And Marvin's now, the first time he's finding out that these are hired killers. Hired to kill who? And who sent them? And then we hear the name Jimmy Serrano. And even Marvin's heard of Jimmy
2: Serrano.
4: Yeah, if you got that much juice. Yeah. Regular civilians have heard of Jimmy Serrano at that point.
0: And while they're arguing, what should show up? But there's that helicopter. (laughs) And they're opening fire at them. Uh, and there's a great, great reaction, um, particularly from Groden, with,
5: You guys are the dumbest bounty hunters I've ever seen! <laughs> I love
0: that he's kind of smiling through this whole thing. Uh-huh. What does he say? You couldn't protect a... He says you couldn't deliver a bottle of milk. He <laughs> couldn't deliver a bottle <laughs> of milk. Oh my god. And they're just screaming oh. at each other. Um,
3: God, I paused the movie. I was laughing so hard when he said that.
0: And and, and then, of course, they think, oh, we lost the helicopter.
4: Yeah. (laughs) It was that easy. They just slipped them. To which Groden's response is, oh, I'm sure
1: we're completely safe.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And
0: there's the copter. Um, And uh, then we go off road, get out of the car, (laughs) and they ask the Duke, are you all right? Oh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. (laughs) Um, He's great. Mm. He's like, someone compared him to sort of the Jack Benny Sort of slow burn, okay. you know that That's underplayed, and and really Charles Grodin's just a unique, totally unique kind of voice. I think, and it makes yeah. me sad that there weren't more things like this. And Dave are the two movies probably by his choice. I, maybe he did a lot of theater. I yeah. know that. Like him and Brooks, you're right to say Brooks earlier,
3: Albert Brooks. I, I am I'm the right same it, but school of but you, you said said. Uh,
4: excuse me, gentlemen. It was oh, me. Oh, sorry. Oh, you you're said it. are attributing him, and he's attributing you, and I'm over here going, I'm the one that brought up the brilliant point here, look, we're, we're, You know look, what? We know Seven how to and do it. Seven and a half percent. Oh, percent oh, sorry, were sorry, saying, sorry. We're we dumbing we one dummy know how to disrespect a guest. That's You guys built me up, and now you're just stealing my good points from earlier. That's how we do it. That's how you do it with
0: stand-up comedy. You were right, sir, to say Albert Brooks.
4: Uh-huh. No, 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 that's fine. It's very much from the Brooks school.
3: It's that underplayed.
4: There's also a specific type of humor. Yeah. That doesn't, I mean, yeah. it, it could translate, but it's harder to just pure dry. And you have
3: to have the right person
4: to do You do, it. and the right role. Yeah. I mean, look at Chevy Chase. It is nothing oh, yeah. but dry, and in the wrong role, it's, it's the worst. It is the worst. Even in Taxi Driver books has those moments. In Taxi Driver, oh, yeah. he has those moments. Thank so. God, because yeah.
3: otherwise
0: that movie gets rough. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jack's asking for a gun, and there's some resistance there. Eventually, uh, Marvin gives him a gun, and what does Jack do next? Uncuffs himself, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he threw away car keys. Yeah, um,
4: always, uh, always check the evidence. Evidence, that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: and now they're opening fire on the the helicopter, and Grodin goes into the river. And after he goes into the river, Marvin finds out they're talking about the money that Eddie offered him, and that's when he finds out that Jack was going to get $100,000.
4: Yeah, and a contract. And a contract. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And then we have what I can only describe as the Danny Glover lethal weapon moment as as he takes careful aim at the chopper.
4: (laughs) Almost (laughs) quasi-believable. If you hit that back rotor, like, and he unloads, what, five shots, six shots into it, so they're not saying it's pure... You know, Schwarzenegger and last action hero, where you can just you know, they're making fun of that, yeah. but in the movie you just take one shot, it hits the gas can or the gas sure. tank, it explodes. Like it the rifles off five, six shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I think
0: we, we're ramping up the level of silliness because we're about to get to a car chase that is just True. R- ridiculous.
4: Yeah. But this is at least plausibly real it's sure not going cartoonish. I do,
0: I'm not disliking it. I'm merely saying it's a, it's, it's a moment. Yeah. He shoots. The, so the, the cop, chopper, chopper goes down, and then he does the same little trick on Marvin, punches him out, cuffs Marvin to the car, tosses the keys away, says, see you in LA, and jumps into the river. Right. The old jump into the river move. So originally when they shot this, they sh- did this at the Colorado River, because that made sense, in the middle of winter. <laughs> and they had- that uh doesn't. De Niro had two wetsuits on, Oof. was in there for three minutes, and sank underwater, like could barely move. Wow. And they went, oh, no, we can't do this. So they flew to New Zealand. What? Where it is not cold. Huh. And that's where they shot it.
4: New Zealand? Yeah. Wow. Well, before, like, New Zealand was yeah. somewhere you go to Pre- film. Pre-Hobbit. Yeah. yeah.
0: Isn't that crazy? Um, And so they're both going down the rapids, and finally Groden gets out. Uh, De Niro's hanging onto a rock, and- Offers him a like a big log to grab and says,
1: promise to let me go! You promised to let me go! Fuck you! Promise to let me go! Fuck you! You're making it very difficult for me to do the right thing here!
0: And De Niro promises, gets him out of the river, and they're talking for a minute, and he's saying thanks. And what does De Niro do? Cuffs him. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'll let you go to the second you're in the LA County Jail. Next thing that happened, cops find Marvin, and I love we come back to uh, uh, Grodin and De Niro. He's just on some monologue about Leonese potatoes.
4: <laughs> yeah, out of nowhere with I all the money, like it goes great with steak and pork chops. And... <laughs> I not only Has anybody, Have you guys had Leonese potatoes? Yeah, have I don't no know idea. what it is.
0: Uh, I have. Yes, they're delicious. It's like fried potatoes and onions.
4: Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I mean, how, how are they? They are they scalloped? Are they like no you? more?
0: More like. Uh, uh, more like sort of roasted like roasted cute potato kind of kind, okay. of, kind of a fancy version of your breakfast uh yeah, breakfast, home, breakfast home fries yeah oh, sure yeah but the yeah. de- very Sounds tasty delicious yeah i mean i'm i'm in favor of all the potato foods there's Fair. there's no you know way you could do a potato that i'm against hmm.
4: Uh, fries, no, mash, think if I've ever fries had crab, mash, scalloped hash it's browns. Got to be at least one way the potato sucks.
0: Potato or gratin, I'm not a big fan of. Yeah.
3: Really? Oh, I like
4: that. Yeah. Potato yeah, soup. Yeah, it's not my favorite, but I can do it. Potato soup, sure. But potato I'm, soup, I can do. Yeah, I got to be in the mood for it. it's got to be like just a straight boiled potato, but that can be good in a pot roast. A little, roasted, little salt, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Little roasted, yeah. I like potatoes. Boom. Um. <laughs> there we go, guys. Cinephiles <laughs> is pro potatoes.
0: <laughs> Very controversial
4: stance. <laughs> Have you guys thought about that for a T-shirt? <laughs> it's a merchandising
0: sales here. I Pro think, potatoes. Uh, I think we can finally make it with this potato uh, <laughs> thing. Uh, we flag down a truck with some Native Americans and uh, we'll hop in the back. Um, the the morons have arrived in Vegas. Jimmy is pissed. You know, again, and this is sort of just touching in with our mm-hmm. our bad guys. Uh, the truck stops at this place in the middle of nowhere. You ever been to a place like this?
4: Are you asking that as a legitimate question? Yeah. Like, okay. Um, because I couldn't remember if I was thinking, did Daenerys ever turn to Groden and say that? Uh remote? that remote. Maybe I've do, I've done a lot of yeah. cross country driving.
0: Yeah, I, I I was at I was at one place. I was like, oh wow, it's interesting. You
4: know, I mean, with without phone. phone, is kind of difficult. Well,
3: yeah, that, I don't know if I've been without. Wait,
0: what phone. was the question? Have you ever been in a really middle of the nowhere?
3: Yes, bike? we yeah. broke down in Arizona when my dad and I were driving me cross country to move to L.A. We broke down in Arizona with no cell service.
4: Where in Arizona?
3: Uh, In the middle of the Red Clay Mountains. Oh, yeah. On on the one-lane highways. And in my mind, because we had rented a diesel, because those idiots fucking rented us a diesel from U-Haul. And you can't get gas everywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah, We we had to gas up every, like, 50 miles. It was insane.
5: What?
4: And so- Still, though, as for a U-Haul, diesel is much better. You know, I guess you get more bang for your buck. It's got better low-end torque. I mean, I'm saying, <laughs> you're, Jesus Christ, you're moving. God. If you're moving, diesel I, makes a lot of sense. Not across country. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the, the logistics of that, but it would make sense. Usually, diesel gets better mileage. That's what I'm
3: saying. So we stopped. We stopped in because it kept breaking down because of an overheat. Right. Oh, geez. So it kept breaking down, overheat, breaking down, overheat. So in Arizona, when it broke down in the middle, like seriously, red nothing but red clay mountains.
6: What, and, what
4: what uh, route were you going through? Because uh, that sounds like what? Sedona area? You probably
3: 90. We took the 95 and then cooked, hooked on from something. You were on the through.
0: 10 for
4: most of it probably. Yeah, you we had know, to, the
3: 10 you have to The 10 you have to clip from the Venus. bottom. Right. Right. So we were... Uh, clipping I, don't know, yeah, I don't know
4: where the Red Clay Mountains are. Now, yeah. I guess. yeah.
3: Well, either way, it was, it was just like cliffs and red clay. It was just all around. And you're just nowhere. One lane highways. Yeah. Right. Middle wow. of nowhere. Hot as fuck. It's no cell service. Because this is where like... You can die. Well, this is what I was thinking. I was like, well, if we if if no cars come and no cars came for like forever, if no cars come, we can we'll have to hide inside the U-Haul, and Dad and I have to figure out how to sleep. Yeah. And we had my car on my old uh, Mitsubishi Eclipse on one of those things, mm. so one of us would sleep obviously in the car, and the other one would sleep. No in the gas car. in the car. No. So it was like that kind of thing where I was like, okay, what are we gonna do here?
4: You have an escape pod and you yeah. don't fuel it. Come I on! I didn't what to tell you, buddy. I,
0: we didn't think we were going to break down. Next time, next time you have gas in that car.
3: You're
4: right. Yeah. Next time I have yeah. gas everywhere. Is that so, convertible eclipse? Because that'd have been gorgeous in yeah, the, the night have... sky in the desert. All I
3: was thinking about was coyotes and wolves. That's all I was thinking about. Was like pure fear. Well, so, you're not
4: nature guy. No, re- I really fucking hate nature.
3: Like I, I respect it. That's I respect it. You should. I, I don't want anything yeah, to do I think with. I'd
4: be it. more afraid of snakes and scorpions. Wow. Well,
3: yeah, that's a good point. Um, we didn't get that far. So eventually, the truck did work.
0: At, like maybe two hours after we broke. Down oh, just cooled getting, down, and, and we the, got out
3: of yeah, yeah, it was lucky.
0: Um, so uh we're in this middle of nowhere place. There's not even a phone. The nearest phone is thirty miles away. Yeah. Uh, uh the Duke sees this old biplane, which I don't know quite what it's doing there. Maybe it's an old crop duster or something. <laughs> that little, yeah, and, and, out of nowhere. Yeah, kind of out of nowhere. Like, why did these guys? Yeah, but, it, but but it's okay. It adds
4: yeah. to the, to the life of the movie itself. It gives it a nice yeah. little. Uh, but
0: we're not going to spend but, a lot of time.
4: No, it's just like out of nowhere. It's like what? There's a plane. <laughs> a plane that's okay. apparently
0: fueled up and ready yeah, to go. Yeah, keys are in it. <laughs> yeah, because Groton goes, like, can I go use the bathroom? And as, as De Niro's talking about where to get a phone, get a ride, get a car, get something, he starts to hear this plane shot up, and there's there's the dude piloting the plane.
5: are you son of a bitch! Get over here! Get back to you, son of a bitch!
0: He runs after him, grabs onto that plane. Mm-hmm. And then this is where, like, the, the collateral damage of this... Uh, thing you're doing is a lot yeah. which first of all he starts taking off and there's some you know fun stunt work and then he he slams down something the plane goes uh down on the ground he drags Groden out of the plane and the plane goes off and crashes his anger at Groden is just
4: business. oh yes yeah. well and then it is the start of the you lied to me yeah yep oh you lied to me first kind of thing back and forth
0: well, because this is, to be really clear, he lied about being afraid yeah. of getting on the plane, and now it ends up that he's he, a pilot. He right. withheld
4: certain information he didn't feel was pertinent. Right. Uh,
0: Jack pulls a gun and steals the truck. Yeah. yeah. Um. And offers uh, uh, the Dukes probably very expensive watch in, in trade, but- you know, stealing my thing and giving me something expensive in trade is actually still stealing my thing. Well, um,
4: especially in that remote, there's no yeah, phone. Yeah, there's no
0: phone. There's like, no, I kind of need that truck. <laughs> and, and now we do get into this. You lied to me first. No, you lied to me first.
4: Jack, let's be fair
2: about
1: this. You lied to me first. At the river. What?
2: At the river. before oh, get, the, get the. At your, the river. You lied, to, you lied to me first. You got some fucking nerve. No, no, you lied to me first. You lied to me first.
1: Yes, yes, I lied to you first, but you had no knowledge I was lying about my fear of flying at the river when you lied to me. So as far as you knew, you lied to me first.
0: And I'm mm-hmm. totally glad because I never thought of that. But of course, you're right. Yeah, Jack Walsh lied to me first. first yeah. He said he was Alonzo Mosley for the FBI. That is the first lie. True. Um, and we get this great moment. You know, he's starting to talk about his ulcer. Yeah.
1: You know why you have an ulcer? Because you have two forms of expression. Oh, silence and
0: rage De Niro's reaction in this moment is so brilliant because what you see is the silence and rage simultaneously (laughs) simultaneously and going through all this whole thought process and then choosing to say nothing it is perfect
4: and given the way that we saw him have a dust up with his wife earlier that seems like a fight that he's had before and it's just like oh like his instant reaction is to blow his kettle
0: that's that's who this guy is yep And they got no money. He needs to get some food. And the Duke goes, you get me to the next town and I'll get us the money. I'll take care of it. And we go to, and we go, we're outside some corner bar. He asked for the FBI badge. He asked to get uncuffed. And there's this moment of like, you want to eat? And and she's like, all right, whatever.
2: You fuck with me.
1: And you'll hit me on the head and drop me in a thing.
4: It diffuses the situation entirely. Like, I get it. I get it. Yeah,
3: De Niro's smirking. He's, he's almost like, he's almost like uh excited to see what this guy's going to do in
4: yeah. this
0: moment. They walk inside. Who's in charge here?
5: He's perfect.
4: He does this so well. This is the funniest scene, guys. I don't know what you guys you're lying to yourselves. <laughs> it's great. This is the funniest scene when he walks in and he's got I love it. He's walking and he's slowly surveying and he stops and De Niro's a bad actor because he doesn't act. You know, he's right. a bounty hunter right. and he bumps into him. He's like, "Oh shit, sorry," kind yeah. of thing. And he's just looking around and gives him a little look and he goes right back into character. Fucking the lit- litmus configuration. Yeah, and the, De Niro's like, "Oh, I'm trying configures. to." Yeah, he screws it up and yeah. he's like licking his thumb. This is a bad one. I love that this is the bad one
0: because what we're for those of you who have not watched it is Duke is pretending to be Alonzo Mosley FBI yeah and that he is looking for a counterfeiter and sends De Niro around the back to open up the they open one guy opens up the register and all the little beats he does now you take one step back now you open the register <laughs> and you
4: well to open with has anybody uh, used any twenties here yeah. in Basketball couple hours twenties <laughs> not like hundreds or somehow like. At the end when he actually shows thousands, and I've never seen a thousand dollar bill up close. I knew we I know we used to print them, but we stopped a long time ago. Twenties <laughs> though. Is so great because of course the answer is yes. 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 So yeah, oh shit.
0: Yeah, that's shit. it. I think this is it.
4: Uh, and, and he looks over
0: like what some old guy oh, said to the bar. That's an improv. It has to be. You see any be. suspicious people around here?
1: You seen any suspicious looking characters around here? No. Do you live around here?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm. <laughs> but the weight between the, have yeah. you seen these suspicious people too? Do you live around here? You're just kind of looking at them for a little while, looking around. Do you live around here? Kind of thing. It's unnecessarily long.
0: Yeah. Well, the slowness of what Groden does, that's why I go back to like, I didn't want to see Robin Williams in this part. Yeah. Because he wouldn't do no. these things.
4: He the subtlety of it. The, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or even, even, even like they ask him who passed this penny to $20 bill. Was the guy six feet?
1: Six five. Dark brown hair. Black colored.
4: Sounds like our man. That's him. Sounds like, like our man. <laughs> but just the back and forth of that, he's he's goading a tall guy, like six foot, six five. Dark brown hair, just the immediate yeah. That, that confirms. Yeah. Once you say six five, you've already set the ceiling at six foot, and be like, "No, I meant six five. We all know that I meant six five. <laughs> Dark brown hair. What's no, so it was fun. actually light. Sounds like our man.
0: I, I, it makes me think about Jonathan Mardukas, because he has shown two brilliant performances. Oh yeah. One on the airplane and one mm-hmm. now, and really what he's done is like. I part of this is the way I I don't know any of this, but the way I put it in my brain is that he was a completely normal middle of the road guy. But now that he's basically outside the law, mm. he has given himself permission to be this person that he had. You know what I mean? Well, he has nothing to lose. Nothing to yeah. lose. he's yeah. literally
4: nothing to lose. Because worst yeah. case scenario is he dies, and here he already knows that
0: he's going. Yeah um and and they they get up at of the 20s they they head out they uh have some groceries they see a train we're running for the train again he's trying to resist running for the train in the same way he's trying to risk getting on the plane yet he manages to jump on the plane and closes the door on de niro yelling see you in the next life yeah he jumps on the train yeah yeah when yeah. Oh,
3: and and the guy sees him from the bar the guy the guy just, sees them from the red. bar yeah so he makes the call and oh yeah what do they call you red red <laughs> do you dye your hair
4: no <laughs> His name, yeah, his name is Bill Wood, mm-hmm. and it's Red's Corner Bar. It's
3: such a random fucking And if you
4: expect Groen to do a follow-up on that, and he just kind of goes, it's not worth my time. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It's so good. It's a little mental calculation you see behind his eyes because he's wanted to play with everybody else that he's coming yeah. to contact with. He's like, no, it's not worth it. The, hang, the yeah.
3: fruit's hanging too
4: low on this. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's not worth the effort.
0: So uh, the Duke is in the train, has closed the door. Jack jumps on the train, climbs up over the top, and comes down to the other side with the line. Glad to see me. Oh my God!
3: Just I don't know why that line always gets. It's the angle that he's at. It's the anger in his
4: voice. Oh, it's just great. Yeah. Well, no, Grodin
3: no. is like immediately like, oh, okay, Jack, calm down,
4: Jack, calm down. And and it, I, like, in this our next life, or is this our, it, next, is life this our next, next life? Yeah. He says that to him when yeah. he closes
0: the door. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and now you see the full rage. Yeah, it comes out and finally ends up. I am not talking to you for the whole rest of the trip. <laughs> um, uh, and we're back. He's hurt. He Jack is, is
3: hurt. It's not a They've matter They've helped of, each other. He yeah. thinks that
4: there's a camaraderie they there. they did have
3: a moment in the bar. They yes. I mean, they really did.
4: And he tra- he still... And they have know. saved each other's lives. Right. And you think that there's something there, but I got to give you the slip yeah. at some point. And of course, now we have Marvin and Alonzo again.
2: I'm telling you, I don't know anything. It's not
5: a fact.
0: Oh, shit. And again, he takes his cigarettes.
2: Why don't you quit? It'd be cheaper for both of us. <laughs>
0: yeah. And this came from the fact that someone kept bumming, I don't think it was Yafet Koto. I think it was, I think George Gallo kept bumming uh, cigarettes at the bar, and John Ashton improvised that, said that in a bar. Wow. And they went, well, we got to put this into the movie, and that's how that bit got hmm. created. Which is a great, a great little bit. Great little and now we find out that that, that an agent, Alonzo Mosley, hopped a train uh, in Arizona or New Mexico or wherever. Uh, we're on the t- train at night, and uh, Charles Grodin's having a conversation with himself.
1: Jack? What? Which further do you think we have to go? None of your fucking business. No, because, you know, eventually I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. Shut the fuck up.
0: <laughs> and then Grodin says,
1: Do you ever have sex with an animal, Jack? Remember those chickens around the Indian Reservation? There's some good looking chickens there, Jack. You know, between us.
2: Yeah, a couple of them might have taken a shot at.
4: <laughs> That's great, though. It's really funny. Having the back and forth, and eventually Jack just goes, Fine, let's talk. <laughs> well, let's talk.
0: So here's the story behind this. Oh, shit, there's a story? <laughs> yes. So okay. they... Um, Uh, they had the scene where he, he was furious on him. I'm not talking to you for the rest of the trip. And then in the script, the next bit of line is when they start talking about the watch. Why don't you tell me about that watch? And you told me when you get to know me better and all that stuff. And they have this really nice scene and they try to do the scene and it, and it just doesn't work. And the reason it just doesn't work is because the emotional place we left the characters can't get to here. Mm -hmm. And De Niro finally just stopped talking he's like i'm not oh. going to respond you have to earn this moment and and martin Bress said to charles groden look i don't know what to do but you have to get him to talk to you yeah and so the whole so the first thing he came up with was this he's gonna have the argument with himself and then the chicken thing is an improv and when he came up with the chicken <laughs> thing and de niro started laughing and said yeah a couple of those i might take a shot at then they went on with the scene right you know and it's actually a great lesson i think in all sorts of ways is that is that, first of all, you have to honor the emotional place you were in before. You can't skip over it. Yeah. And second of all, you really have to... It, you can't fake earn a moment in a scene. You have to actually earn it, you know? So having pu- putting up this big obstacle and making this guy overcome it, the actor overcome it, that just totally works. It feels emotionally organic. It has to feel emotionally organic, and the audience knows. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then we find out, now we're talking about the watch, and that Gail bought him the watch, and mm-hmm. that it's always 30 minutes... Uh, fast because he was always late. I forgot about this moment. Yeah. I forgot
3: what the watch's significance was till I saw the film again.
2: Somewhere in the back of my mind, I keep thinking we're going to wind up together again. I don't know why. I'm still hanging on, I'm still waiting around. I don't think she's coming back. Yeah, I
1: don't either. I don't either. Sometimes you just have to let go.
3: just get yourself a new watch. It's really powerful cuz he says to him, I I don't think she's coming back. Like, he's holding on to the watch thinking that she's going to come back someday and, he's, yeah. and he says like real matter-of-factly like, and not to hurt him, he's just saying it in a way of like affection or friendship like I don't think she's
4: coming back and, yeah. and
3: you got to let go.
4: Yeah, if you're going to grow as a person, yeah. you need to let certain things, you know, die and get a new watch. That hit me, man. That, that was, was a good line. It hit me that it sometimes was, you got to get a new line. watch. Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. at the end. When yeah. you have that closing scene oh, he gives yeah. him the watch and you're mm-hmm. like wow the significance of that for him Yeah, and he's taking the, Grodin's advice too that I need to move on yeah. and I gave your watch away you grow with this now like give it another give it a good home
0: yeah and I love too there's a nice pause and a very companionable moment and then he says you're okay
1: Jack I think under different circumstances you and I probably still would have hated each
0: other <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's a great way to go yeah with the scene yep and, yeah. then, they, and then but then jack says no maybe you know, we could have been friends yeah and and we get to in the next life yeah in the next life marvin leaves the cops and we're back on the train and we think we kind of made it to arizona and so that means we're almost there to which groan's response is i'm almost dead hmm And he's kind of going, look, witness protection isn't so bad.
1: I'm not going to make it to any witness protection program.
2: You don't know that, John. I
1: know that. You know that. Serrano's going to get to me before I get to any witness protection program. Do me a favor. Don't pretend you care about me. It really insults my intelligence. I mean, let's face it. The only important thing about me to you is getting your money.
0: It's interesting because in Jack's mind, he's like, "Well, Serrano offered me a million dollars. If I if I only cared about the money, I would have taken that." Right. And then and then again, he lets one little piece of information slip. The reason I do this shit in the first place was because I wouldn't work for that low life asshole. What does that mean? Nothing. And he tries the same thing that Mm -hmm. happens over and over again. I let something slip. You know, the Duke sees a way in, and then he tries to shut it down. But then it ends up that you know he he's given him enough, and Mm -hmm. Groden figures out, oh.
1: Serrano is the heroin dealer you told me about in Chicago who owned your buddies and destroyed your life. That's Serrano? That's the guy that you're taking me in? That's the guy that's going to kill me? Oh, hope it's a wonderful coffee shop, Jack. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah. man. Just a guilt trip.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once he realizes the commonality and the, the moralist extent you're, t- uh, you're yeah. taking, is, yeah. it's kind of bullshit.
0: The train is pulling into the station? Time to jump off the train. <laughs> no, I don't want to do it. No. <laughs> he pulls him off the train, and there are like a million cops waiting at this station. Mm-hmm. This is where the movie has gone into ridiculous land. <laughs> I mean, there's like, there, it's a ton of cops, a ton of cop cars.
4: Uh, but I see, I go the other route. If the wife already knows about him in Chicago... These small town, whatever, that's probably the locals, the county, the county. The, this, oh, yeah. we got the FBI, we got everybody it's just like, this is the the best thing going right now. Right. We're going to divert all our resources to this. That's what I always took it as. It's just like, sure. it's not yeah. like it's downtown, you know, LA or something.
0: Sure. Well, and this is the thing too. It's like, you know, the truth is once you have helicopters, you know, it's sort of, you don't need a hundred cop cars to right. know where somebody is. You can just see them. And of course, who's going to else pulls up, but Marvin pulls up. Mm -hmm. um and then i love the little bit of dialogue again we're walking away from the train
1: trains have regularly scheduled stops the reason for that is you know because people plan to get off the trains when they stop and that's how generally people do it they don't like uh throw each other off the trains that's that's the purpose of of having stops
0: jack hot wires some truck Mm
5: -hmm.
0: which is a great truck with a sawed off top He's committing a lot of crimes to get this guy Yeah he is, numerous Yeah, yeah. And we get in the truck, we're going to get to the nearest a- airport They're driving along and then we see a cop car And then another cop car And then Alonzo gets the radio call that they're near Sedona Which I've been to, it's a very beautiful, very beautiful mm-hmm. area
4: Looks like they've been spotted around
6: 35 miles south of here near Sedona There are officers in pursuit Take the truck
0: Marvin sees all the cop cars pull out Hmm, what's going on here? and jack is dodging cop cars three cop cars four cop cars helicopters coming a fleet of cars is coming jack is driving through traffic john is screaming
5: god damn it i don't like
0: this uh john gives him this amazing amazing dirty look marvin's just following that line of cop cars um jack stops in the middle of the road cars and helicopters coming from in front of him from behind him drives into the woods This is the desperate move. Mm. And I love this part of the movie. I just think this is a this was this is such an 80s sort of action sequence, you know? Mm -hmm. This kind of a thing.
2: Find out when we get to
0: And the cops fall into the woods, and Jack is muttering to himself, I've come too far. Too far. I'm too close. Um, and I was thinking as I was watching, it's like, oh yeah, this is the kind of movie where you just wreck a lot of cop cars.
4: Mm-hmm. And yeah. there was
0: a lot of 80s movies where you just wreck a lot of cop cars. Oh yeah. Like Blues Brothers, you just, we're going to wreck a lot of cars.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, they're cheap, all things considered, and adds yeah. production value. So.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's funny because today you're going to do some big CGI chasing. But it's the same thing. Yeah.
4: It's crazy explosion, stupidness happens over here to distract mm-hmm. the eye and give a sense of urgency uh, within the scene. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And there's like, you know, cars crashing into cliffs and into trees and down rocks and flipping over. And they they finally crash the car into a tree and helicopters flying over and sees all these wrecked cop cars. And I do not understand why the helicopter just completely loses them. (laughs) It just doesn't make any sense at all. Marvin gets off the road. Uh, Jack and John are like hiding behind a bush. Uh, and they walk up the dirt road, and here comes a car. Oh, good, we're saved. There's a car. They flag it down, and then this moment of, wait, is that Marvin? And I love John Ashen.
1: Am I lucky or am I just good? <laughs> is <Isn't> that Marvin? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fucking A, I'm the best. And then we get the car door gag.
4: Yeah, yeah. once again. Which looks really painful. Hell yeah, it does. He's definitely <laughs> broken a rib at some point. Yeah, that.
0: Mm. Um, and grabs the Duke, see in L.A. Jack, and Marvin drives away. Jack is hurt. No sign of the helicopters, the cops, right? All of that has disappeared. Jack has the, we got the sad music and the lonely walk down the road and into some roadside diner. Um, what's the guy behind the counter? It's um, he's oh, in yeah. tons of stuff.
3: He, he was, uh, um, in uh, Batman in the 1989 Batman, he was Bob. Yeah.
0: Yes, he was he, his henchman. Yeah, he That's was right. Yeah. That's a guy's was. in a million things, a ton of things. Uh, and there's just you know, this is the thing, this movie's populated with great character actors. Yeah. Um, and we have a little cup of coffee, a little smoke, some sunglasses slide down, and there's Alonzo.
2: Mm-hmm. Gee, I've been looking all over for these. Thanks, Alonzo.
0: We get to the airport, and, and the Duke's saying, Marvin, and I have a very, very serious fear of flying. And he says, well, just sleep on it. Punches him.
4: Yeah, <laughs> takes care of the problem right yeah. then and there. Jack wants a phone call
0: calls Jerry put Eddie on
1: this better be good news fucking Jack
4: because you got five hours left
2: no it's not Eddie I'm gonna let you know though that you're a dead motherfucker you understand me wait a minute wait a minute you put Marvin on this case you fucking piece of shit you fucking deceptive uh. you are you, sharp, you fucking you done fuck yet? You slam ball you in a sea of pus! You, oh, what? Um, he's
0: just yelling at Eddie. What,
2: what, what, Eddie, 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 what are you fucking talking about? Look, you got five hours left. Can you bring the fucking Duke in, yes or no? He, I thought he's bringing him to you. I just talked to fucking Dorfler. He don't have the Duke. What? Where's the fucking Duke? Hello? I'll talk to you later.
0: And this is when suddenly something, something clicks. Wait, I thought Dorfler was bringing him in. Jack hangs up, thinks, looks in his pocket, finds the matchbooks that he got Mm -hmm. given by Tony, who's moron number one, calls it, asks for Tony.
2: Tony Darvel there, please. Who's calling? Marvin Doffler. Marvin. Everything's still on schedule, pal, isn't it? So Dorfler's working for you guys.
0: And now Jack's starting to have a plan.
2: So what the fuck you telling me for? What am I telling you for? What am I telling you for? What am I I'll tell you what I'm telling you for? I got some of the Duke's belongings, that's why, including some computer discs that have every last detail of Serrano's businesses and his money laundering operations, everything. And if I don't get the Duke back, in the next two hours,
0: I'm going to turn those
2: discs over to the feds.
0: Meet me at McLaren Airport, which is Las Vegas, and you give the Duke and I give the discs. And now he tells Alonzo that he something—he wants to make a deal.
2: What would you do if I could deliver you Serrano? What do you mean deliver for starters, conspiracy to destroy government evidence. What government evidence? Will you let me take the dupe back myself and collect my money?
0: And I love that the music hits then, because that tells you that Alonzo's already going to agree.
2: Tell me more. Well, I'll have to tell you on the way, because we got to be in Las Vegas in two hours.
0: Marvin's got a, a, a great idea in the motel. He hands a, a nice USA Today or something to the Duke, takes a picture to prove that he's got him at the right time. And while we're on the plane and Jack is describing the plan.
2: If he just sets foot inside the airport, he's committed an overt act, conspiracy to obstruct justice. When he shows up with the Duke, you add kidnapping, anybody packing a gun, conspiracy to commit murder, the fact that it's an airport. And Alonzo, correct me if you think I'm wrong here. Yeah, I don't want to step on your toes. You can slap an interstate transportation and aid a racketeering rap on him right away as well.
0: And he rolls off a whole bunch of crimes. Yeah. And I love the glee that De Niro does this with, because you can see he was a really good cop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he actually loves this. Mm-hmm. He's feeling great about this. And and uh, Yafet Koto's response is, get
2: a wire on this man.
0: Marvitt meets Tony and Joey, our two morons, mm-hmm. and he wants to ask for more money. Give me the million now. I'll go get the Duke, and you give me the second million later. And Tony punches him out. Mm-hmm. Because in Why'd that- you do
2: that? Why'd you do that? Yeah. You, you do lost that? the only
0: lead. Because you look at the picture, and in the Polaroid, there is the name of the motel that the Duke is at. Right, yeah, The Blue
4: Angel Motel. That's a
0: really classy place, by the way. I stay there every time I'm in Vegas.
4: <laughs> it looks it's like really it. really nice. Well, nice I, I like the that initial scene when he takes the hostage photo because he's so proud of himself and he's like I press, so even proud. myself yeah. sometimes and then you're like well you left the name of where you're staying <laughs> back there genius.
0: So in the original script, they were supposed to kill Marvin. He dies in that scene. Oh shit! I don't know because it's some, one one person who I was listening to said the studio had said you can't kill Marvin and George Gallo the screenwriter says hey I don't think we can kill Marvin and Martin Press said. You're right. We like him too much. Yeah. We yeah. can't kill him. And they said, you have to come up with an ending where Marvin's not dead. And so the whole confrontation that we're about to see at the airport, that's a rewrite. And and uh, apparently Gallo was very close to being fired because he couldn't figure out how to include Marvin at the end.
5: Hmm. Oh, and looking shit. at it
0: now, I can't understand how he yeah. couldn't have. Yeah. yeah. Because we were arriving at the airport. Jimmy... Is heard that he's going to make a deal with the Duke and he is setting up to kill uh, as soon as he gets the disc he's going to kill the Duke and kill Jack Yeah. we have the FBI putting a wire on Jack who's smiling now because he feels like a cop again we have the Duke being brought in a limousine he's at the airport um, and we have our first conversation with Jimmy and the Duke mm-hmm. and, and what's interesting is that this is the first time they've met
1: so I'm finally in the presence of greatness huh? the
2: Duke
0: and then he says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you two things.
1: Number one is that you're gonna die tonight. Number two, I'm gonna go
2: home, have a nice hot meal. I'm gonna find your wife, and I'm gonna kill her too." That is,
4: that is scary. Yeah, I, I always, I always assumed he was gonna threaten, violating his wife, and then kill. Oh, her. Yeah, that was my expectation the first time I saw it. Mm. I guess to give farina's character a little bit of humanity because this is a comedy yeah
0: sure that makes him really sympathetic
4: <laughs> well <laughs> but doing the one and then the other yeah. compounds it to a degree that sure. makes it the individual heinous yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's like killing isn't already heinous enough you guys know what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> it's uber heinous um
0: jack is waiting in the airport we got cops watching we got alonzo watching we got mob guys watching a lot of it seems like everybody in this airport yeah, is is on it, well, yeah. especially
4: when it breaks finally. Yeah, there's like 700 FBI I know, agents it's crazy. like out of nowhere. Everybody, all the ticket agents, the passengers, it's like Jesus. How and, many man hours is this guy worth?
3: I even saw a baggage handler got upset because he <laughs> didn't get in there quick enough.
0: Um, and we got uh, finally Dennis Farina and Robert De Niro having a conversation. It seems great. It's terrible. Mm-hmm.
3: He's terrible to him. Yeah, he says the most horrific things, like
0: yeah. insulting his clothes.
3: Well, yeah, but then. Oh, but oh, brings up his wife. Yeah, but you're, 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 yeah, she left you with a blah blah blah. And all this kind of for suck. another
4: guy who was on the take. Was, yeah, that doesn't drive you nuts that that guy is now fucking your wife. Yeah,
2: dude. Since we have this moment to share together, there's something I've been meaning to ask you. Doesn't it bother you that
1: another copper is fucking your wife? You know they made
0: this guy a captain, and of course. Alonzo and the FBI guys are going, just give him the disc. Just give him the disc. Just give him the disc. And the conversation is going on because he doesn't want to give him the disc until he sees the Duke. That's what he wants, which means the FBI guys really don't care about whether Mardukas gets killed. They don't care about that at all.
4: Which is weird because he would only bolster their case. Right. Losing him doesn't help them. Keeping him alive. So why wouldn't you wait for the exchange? Because right now, all you're going to lose is a bounty hunter. Yeah. That's the worst you're going to lose.
0: Right. Um, but the stress is getting worse. I love I love uh, uh, Yafed's line.
1: This thing's going to give me a heart attack before it's all over. And current, I know I'm going to get a heart attack.
0: <laughs> and then in come fine, they do bring in the Duke. And just as we're about to make an exchange, who should show up but Marvin? Because this is the solution that he came up with. Marvin is just there to get his plane ticket home. And the guy who's working the ticket counter... Martin Brest. It's Martin Brest. Yep. Um, oh, okay. Which I never knew. I never knew that because I didn't know what he looked like. And there's a great, uh, the line, smoking or non-smoking, that's a Martin Brest ad-lib. <laughs> to which John Ashton has the perfect, um, the yeah, perfect what, response. What do you think?
3: And he pulls off and he goes after the situation because he's so put upon the whole movie that finally he thinks he's going to get yep. the, he's going to win. Like uh, uh, Marvin
0: does in this right. moment, because he spots Jack yeah. and goes, "Oh!" and yeah. spots the Duke. He spots the Duke. He spots the Duke first. He yeah. yeah, goes, "Oh, i oh, got I'm a, this. I'm gonna figure this out." Doesn't yeah. know who, doesn't know who Jimmy Serrano looks like nope. apparently, and goes up and the 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 discs have just gotten exchanged, and Serrano's going, "Who the fuck are you?
2: Who the fuck are you? Are you writing the book? Who the fuck are you?"
0: And he's going, Jack, get out of her. And he pushes Jack, and his hand slaps on his clothes, and that knocks out the wire. Wire's gone dead. So even though Serrano's got the discs, the FBI guys don't know. Yeah. Because yeah. he pulls the discs out of Jack's hands, and Jack's going, Serrano's got the discs. Yeah. Serrano's got the discs.
2: Serrano's got the discs. Let him go, Jack. Serrano's got the discs. Video, did he not take the discs? I couldn't tell. There's too much going on down
0: there. Serrano's got the discs. Got the fish. And now he's yelling,
5: Serrano's got the Serrano's got the fist! Move in.
0: And basically, you're right. Everyone in this airport is like five talk. people. Do you know, it's,
4: it yeah, it's turned into like a sketch. Yep. Like, or like a flash mob. And then suddenly everybody's dancing around. You're like, what the fuck is this?
0: Yep. And De Niro walks up to Serrano and says,
2: Jimmy, there's something I've been wanting to say to you for 10 years. Oh, yeah, what's that? You're under arrest.
0: Alonzo says, we still got a deal? We got a deal. And John doesn't know what's going on.
2: What's going on? Sorry, John. I got an hour and a half to get you back that late.
0: And now we're on the plane. Jack's smoking on the plane. That's what you do, looking at the watch. And there's just a great look from Charles Grodin there. Um, off the plane, he cuffs Grodin. We get past that Welcome to Los Angeles sign. He calls Eddie on the payphone.
2: Well, where the hell are you? Where am I? I'm at the airport. And guess who I'm with? I'm with the Duke. You got him! Oh, uh, you got him, Jack! I love you! Yeah, you want to say hello? Yeah, put him on. Yeah, say hello. Hello. Hello, you son of a bitch! We got you, you son of a bitch! Yeah, now say goodbye, you lying little piece of shit, because I'm letting them go.
0: And there's just a great look from Groden,
3: Which is what he promised him when he saved him out of the water. He was yeah. going to let him go. Yeah. So he did eventually let him go.
0: Yeah, but he also did lie to him first. Well, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> Would have been
2: a nice coffee shop. Oh, jeez. Oh. I don't get it. I did what I wanted to do, John. I got you to L.A. before midnight, so... I don't know what to say. don't say anything. Knowing you, you'll make me want to put those back on you.
0: And for the first time, the Duke is at a loss for words. I don't know what to say. Thanks.
2: No, John, thank you. Thank
0: you. Yeah. And that's when he takes off the watch right. and gives him the watch.
2: Something to remember our adventure by. Jack.
0: And then he says, you know what, I got something for you. And he kind of goes like, come closer,
4: come closer. He and does it like a child. Yeah. He mm. like ponies up next to the, like the telephone booth. Yeah. And he's almost hiding between the two. He's like, come here, come here. Just like under his breath, like make motion. Because I don't want to, you don't know why. Yeah. And obviously the reason, you know, 300K, I would be kind of sheepish about that as well. But it's a really nice moment they have between the two of them.
0: And he pulls out this money belt Mm -hmm. and hands it to him. Which he's had the whole time. The whole time.
4: time. Which he said, I have money.
1: Yeah. He did say it. He didn't lie about it. Nope. When I was making my getaway, I thought the FBI was closing in on me. Take it. Take it. I took some traveling. I take it. Take it. It's not a payoff. It's a gift. You already let me go.
2: You son of a. You son of a bitch! I wish had money. I know you had money. I didn't know you had
0: money.
5: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. And we see this filled with thousand dollar bills, which, by the way, are hard to get. Karen was working on a movie once, and she had to get a bunch of thousand dollar bills. And you have to There are they are not a lot of them around, and you have to get like pay insurance on them. And wow,
4: yeah, because yeah, we stopped making them yeah, a long mm-hmm. time ago.
0: Yeah, they're hard to get. Who's on the Who's on the thousand dollar
4: bill? I Don't know. I don't know. <laughs> What the fuck? Man? <laughs> who is who, we, who guesses on the thousand dollar bill? Andrew Jackson? Uh, no, he's on the twenty. I, oh, on the 20. I used Sorry. to know this. Damn it! I, it's got to be something weird, like Rose, uh, like FDR or something. Millard Fillmore? Mill- sure. Why not Taft? I want to find out who's on All the thousand right. dollar bill because we stopped making that. I would assume yeah. maybe right around this time, if not a little bit before this, because hundreds are easier to track, and I think that's part of the reason we shifted over to hundreds. Yeah, I don't know who it's on. Plus, I don't know how much use there is for $1,000 bills, especially in the digital world. It seems it seems like a silly thing to carry around. Yeah, well, we're still making the penny, you know? And That's think
0: definitely
4: that, silly. Well, It costs us, what, like 1.5 cents to make a penny, so we lose money? Waste so much money. Grover things. Cleveland. It's Grover Cleveland? Of Grover Cleveland. On the Cleveland. thousand. Wow. Okay. Of all
3: people, Grover fucking Cleveland.
4: I want to say he was a pro-business uh, president, so not surprising. It's the only president to be elected...
0: Non sequentially.
4: Oh, is he the one? I knew there yeah, were one, he was but...
0: elected and then took four years off and then elected again.
3: Yep. So weird. William McKinley's on the five hundred dollar bill.
0: And there was a ten thousand dollar
3: bill too. There was. It? James yeah. Madison is on the five thousand. And you're right. Salmon Salmon P.
4: Chase. Salmon is on P. Chase. Wow. Not even a president. Secretary of he had to be the FDR. Oh he's Chase Bank. Chase, Yeah, yeah.
0: he's secretary of the treasury under Lincoln. Yes, he is. Oh. Okay. He's in, in he Team of Rivals. Which is a great book. Oh, yeah. Okay. Doris Kearns' okay. good one, yes. Um, okay. Wow. So we did some vamping to give John time to uh, to find it, and now we've got some... Look, this has been your currency show. Yeah. The this... $100,000 bill is the one that had Woodrow Wilson. Oh.
4: 100000 I mean, why? I mean, why? Why? Who are you trying to show off to? Yeah, well, Jeff- there's not huge cartels. And how big is, like, a kidnapping going to get outside of the Lindbergh baby? You're, <laughs> that you're going to need a $100,000 bill. Gentlemen, we've almost reached the end. Oh, sorry. This is, this is, yeah, sorry. Is, <laughs>
0: we, we got it. We're really <laughs> Have close. you never uh, been on the top ten shows? Like, the- <laughs> how often does this come up, man? You had information on it's it. Good so point. this is Partly your your But I feel like we're almost at the end of a midnight run. Like, we've just made it. Like, right. we're right at L.A. Well,
3: you it know.
4: just... It's hard to take it. The dealer gets us hooked on the drugs and then gets upset when we want more of the drugs. That's pious. That's a good analogy. It's a little pious, isn't it? It, it works beautifully anyway.
0: In their last moment, they have they say,
4: See you in the next life.
2: See you in the next life.
0: And Jack turns and looks at the door, turns around, and he pulled a Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Duke is gone. He goes outside the airport, asks what time it is, finds out that he had 25 minutes, and he would have made it. Yeah. Now all he's got to do is take get a cab. Got change for a thousand.
1: What are you, a
2: comedian? Get out of here, you bum! <laughs> Looks like I'm walking.
0: And the music comes up. He yeah. walks away.
2: <laughs> and we've reached the end of <laughs> Midnight Run.
0: So I don't have a lot about the reception. It did really well. Yeah, it was a very well loved comedy. It did what great in home video. It wasn't nominated for things. Um, not- yeah. Mm-hmm. um so you know normally there's like lots of talk of what happened next but that's pretty much it
4: yeah i mean a comedy in that era now it might oh it got nominated for the golden globes like mm-hmm. it was one of the better comedies the year kind of thing and so yeah. the globes really just want famous people to show up but yeah uh yeah it was, at that time it's like it was a comedy and we're moving on yeah so john do you have final thoughts on yeah. midnight run
3: yeah i would say if you haven't if this is a hole in your resume of film watching from the 80s uh Right? 80? 80, 80, this is Yeah, this is definitely one you need to fill in, because it's an enjoyable time, and it's two hours and six minutes. It's not a a short film for this kind of film, but it's full of a lot of interesting humor, a really well-done script, and some fun acting all around from all the actors in this film, and it, it's it's a subtle comedy. There's there's laugh-out-loud moments, but they're coming from subtle jokes. They're not coming from mm-hmm. big, huge punchlines, which is great. And it's littered with incredible characters, and f- even the small p- characters in every scene have life to them, and that's what you would want if you're going to take this trip. And I think it's a very enjoyable film, and we should totally go back and watch it.
4: What do you think, Matt? I don't know what I have to add to that. That was, that was pretty succinct. <laughs> I think if they've listened to us, they've heard our radio play version, and it was, yeah. you know, it was not bad. There you go. Uh, I would hope you would have seen it, or hopefully, like when people see the title for the show, they actually watch the movie and then listen to this. It
0: seems about split. Sometimes, sometimes people, people do. some people watch the they go, okay, okay, I know it's coming yeah. and watch the movie, and sometimes people wait till after.
4: It's crazy. Yeah. Well, maybe or maybe it's just a movie you always said to yourself, I don't want to see that, and they hear the discussion, and they're like, wow, that movie sounds really good. Yeah. Except for we just literally spoiled the entire thing. Oh. Uh well, some people are into that. It's weird. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there are so many movies out there that mm. it's inevitable that some of them are gonna get spoiled.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, once a movie's literally 30 years old, which is this one. Oh, and this is actually the 30th oh, anniversary. Yeah, I hadn't been thinking about it. Wow. Um uh for me, it's funny. We've on the on the show for a while, we've done some heavy movies lately. Like the last time we saw Robert De Niro was in Taxi Driver right. on the Cinephiles. Right. And and we spent a lot of time talking about deep stuff and why is this film important and what does it say about philosophy and politics and living in the modern world (laughs) and all of these things. And I was thinking about this movie and I don't think this has anything particular to say. I don't think this is important. I don't think this is deep. I think this movie is totally fun. Yes. And I think in all of the deep conversations that we've had sometimes it's possible that sometimes we lose track of the fact that movies are about entertainment. And the reason you go to see a movie above anything else is to be entertained. And if you're going to get some deep stuff, that's fine too. But there is something wonderful about watching a movie with people really at the top of their game, um, great comedy chops being showed by Robert De Niro, an unbelievably funny performance from Charles Grodin, an incredible cast of supporting actors, mm-hmm. a score from Danny Elfman I loved, and a movie that is actually just a really, really fun ride. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's what we think of midnight run. Of course, we always want to hear what you think. You can reach us on our Facebook page. Just do a search for the cinephiles. You can subscribe to us at iTunes and YouTube and a whole bunch of other places. If you're on iTunes, leave us a review. If you're on YouTube, Hey, leave us a comment. It's lo- We love to hear it. Um, if you want to support us, you can visit our, our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the Cinephiles, where you can pick one of the movies that we review. Mm-hmm. Um and as always, I you can reach me on Twitter at SR Morris. John, where can they reach you? Oh,
3: you guys can always reach me at the Roka Says on Twitter and on Instagram and see
0: all the stuff I'm doing there. And uh Matt, are you reachable on these uh interwebs?
4: Sure, it's at Matt Nost M A T T K N O S T. Um, Uh,
0: And if you haven't listened to the top 10 show ever and maybe
3: listening to Matt and I do a little repartee here, maybe that inspired you to go find us. You can find us on the uh, Schmoes No Network, the top 10 show. uh, And just uh, go and subscribe to that feed and then you'll get our show every every uh, Tuesday, every Monday. At,
4: well, every tuesday at midnight every tuesday standard time yeah, yeah, yeah. it
0: is a fabulous show i subscribe to it and i am also on a patron on patreon yes you are you're you at are. the
4: five dollar level for shout
0: out thank Steve. you for that every month you're you're very very welcome you got um, your
4: shout out today how did it feel i've never been in the room with somebody who's has a shout out i, I in haven't audition. i haven't
0: listened to it yet oh my i gosh. heard the last time you shouted out to me and i liked it very much i Good. very Roughly very the special. same I, th- I
4: believe this time <laughs> it's
0: about the same.
4: Um, yeah uh matt Thank you so much yes, for thank coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been great um, having you. It's, it sounds like you guys do heavy shit every week. And this week you're like, let's invite the clown on. No. And we'll do a clown, a clown movie. Don't and think that's that not true at all. That is literally, oh, I want to see. not true at all. Where is Mueller getting in the, the bottom of your emails? I want to see these guys. So I want to see <laughs> the behind the scenes. No, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been far too long. Uh, we, we've talked about it uh, mm-hmm. amongst the two of us and uh, having you on uh, our show as well, which will happen eventually. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure when. He can show you the list of whatever. And yeah, then... probably very soon, I would imagine. Yeah. I am yeah. available. Absolutely. Just we'll make some... it happen. We'll have yeah. some people
0: call people and we'll yeah. work it out. It'll happen over
3: the next two months. I can promise that. Okay. Yeah. Um Just a little
0: tease right there. Well, right? Cool. Well, I think um, that that is it for this week, and we will see you next time on The Cinephiles.